Welcome, Nerdables, to episode 151. This week, we are talking Star Trek at age 50. Woo-hoo. Joining me are Chris, Sebastian, Ethan, and via the Nerdable Satellite One, Travis. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? No, there's no satellite one. That's the one that blew up on the uh, on the pad in that SpaceX rocket. By satellite, you mean Skype. Yeah. <laughs> Skype, can't Skype say that. Skype. We're not sponsored by Don't them yet. It. Did you see it. what was on that SpaceX thing? Yes. It's, it's the Facebook satellite. Well, that was one of them. There was a, yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah. Like this big Facebook satellite. Big and nothing of value was lost. Right? <laughs> they said that, uh, that uh, what's his name from Facebook? I always forget his name. I don't really care about him. Uh, Jesse was, Eisenberg? Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg was all pissed nice. off. Jesse Eisenberg, that's exactly what it's <laughs> Okay, so, Star Trek at turning 50 this week. September 8th. That's why I decided, you know, we were going to do that this week. And there was no other big news, so might as well. Yes. <laughs> we, we decided it because yesterday, like, uh... Well, I was sitting here, I was sitting here Friday after I sent a text to everybody going, Star what Trek. are we going to talk about this week? And I went... There's nothing. Oh, wait. Star Trek turns 50 on the 8th. Yeah, I had, yeah. I had one little piece. I was like, oh, crap. Okay, so what's everybody's first induction into the Star Trek universe? We'll just go around the table. Chris? Uh, watching the original series with my parents when I was fairly young because I was, I was a big Star Wars fan. So like, hey, look, we're science fiction. And I watched it like, this is boring. Uh, <laughs> this show's for nerds. Yeah, I was interested in it. So, but that was my introduction. But it became something different once Next Gen showed up. But we'll talk about that later. Sebastian, uh, watching episodes of TOS on my dad's Betamax. Ooh, because they had like they had like the episode collections, and he had VHS already at the time. But he had the movies on VHS. See, but, that's how you get really nerdy. But beta select, and beta and beta still looks better. So. And we still have our player. It works really well, and those tapes have lasted a lot longer than the VHS ones. But no, he had like just the episode selections of just whatever his favorites were on Betamax. Okay, cool. I'm going to skip That's Ethan awesome. for a second. No, Ethan's introduction was last, last night. night. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We watched an episode of the original series last night. Ethan, what was your introduction? Well, my, ba- my dad was a huge fan of it, um, the, the Next Generation, so he'd watch that all the time. So I just remember seeing that every once in a while, but... Never really watched it on uh, on the normal. How about you, Travis? Uh, I, I remember seeing reruns when I was a kid, and it would come on in between like other shows that I was watching TV with the purpose of watching, and then that would pop on and be like, wait, that's kind of cool. And then uh, Kirk would say something uh, misogynistic, and I'd be like, oh, okay, interesting. Why are... Well, that's, All these women so hot. That's funny because last night when we were watching it, uh, the one episode we were watching, it had every trope that you could have for a Star Trek it TV was, series. Um, what, what were nice. the names of the aliens? Uh, Kel- the Kelvins. Kel- Kelvins. Uh, when they, they take over the ship. Like, oh. They go to the planet and they have the little waistband shooting things. Freeze and they freeze people. Freeze yeah. people. And then they just murder oh, the girl. Gosh. And then they become friends. And then every once they look at them and go, yeah, but you just murdered that chick. Just like crushed her into little... Rock pieces, but they're cool now. Everything's fine. But oh, yeah, it has, it, has a, it has a red shirt dying. They get rid of Ahura very quickly. And Scotty gets drunk. And Kirk seduces the, the Kelvin woman. 
Yeah. Wow. It literally had everything. Yeah. It's, 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 every, every stereotype you have for the for TOS is, it was in that episode. It was very kind of surprising. few stereotypes, too. Yeah. yeah. I remember that episode. Was, especially because a lot of people, like, they have the ideas of, like, the caricatures of the classic characters in yeah. their heads. And it's kind of fascinating to see what people describe the characters as if you know the show. Everyone's like, oh, Kirk is kind of a ladies' man. And it's like, he, he's, you know, a brash guy's like, actually, when you watch the series as a whole, he's actually very calm. And he is very it's much hard. The, very much the tactician uh, of the show. He's very calculating. He likes to take uh, all his options in. But then the situation is he calls for him to make a, a decision. But later on, it's like, it's like, no, everyone, like, especially when you look at the remake movies where they have him be like this super badass who gets into fights all the time. And in reality, he's this nerdy guy and was bullied by Finnegan and Starfleet Academy and it wasn't until much later when he became captain that he actually was like, no, the importance of decisions. Ironically, though, or coincidentally, rather, Captain Picard is the guy who was the young, brash womanizer yeah, as right? a young man. Yeah. And then he becomes the... In the show, he's very steady. Yeah, and in the show, he becomes very steady. And Captain Kirk is sort of the opposite, where he's like very nerdy and quiet. But then when he becomes captain, is like... Hey, we're out here. It's the Wild West. We got to do what we can to survive. See, that's when he becomes Chris Pine. And Not then... even that, too, because it's just one of those weird things. When you watch 79 episodes and you sort of take everything as a whole, he doesn't make decisions on the fly. Some of the decisions are because of writing that they need to get yeah. out of. But for the most part, he tends to like to examine his options. It's Bones, who's usually one's like, we got to do this. Damn it, Jim! Damn it, Jim! Why aren't you doing this thing that I want you to do? He's like, look, I want all the options. Don't listen to that green-blooded Vulcan. He doesn't have heart. So my first introduction, my first introduction was either the animated series, or the original movie. They came. They were around the same time as each other. Your introduction to the original movie, and you're still a fan. Kudos to you. (laughs) See, I Star- liked, but I was Star one Trek of those the people. Picture is the best Star Trek movie. I was young enough where <laughs> I it, liked it. We'll, we'll, we'll because talk it about is the most. We will. Star we Trek. will talk about this later. Because did you watch the the History Channel's uh, 50th anniversary of Trek yeah. special? Because there's a guy on it. Because you said the same. One of the things that you said about um, Insurrection for the Next Generation is it's one of the better Next Gen movies because it's a long episode. Yeah, because it's the so most there's Star the, one Trek. of the guys on the panel that they have that was at the Leonard Nimoy Theater at the at Griffith. Uh, you know, it's, it's like scientists and, and doctors and history professors or whatever. And he says that Insurrection is his favorite movie because it's like a long episode. And one of the other guys is like, that doesn't make it a movie. <laughs> so it's kind of almost the same <laughs> argument sure. or debate you and I have had. Not necessarily an argument because it's just opinion. But the same thing with uh, – they say the same thing for motion picture. Like motion picture is just a very long episode of Star Trek. Right. And it is the most Star Trek-y because they don't really blow anything up. Right. And, it, and then it almost cost the whole franchise. And he's like, you had to come back and do something like Star Trek Two. Where you could, you know, shoot lasers at everything and blow stuff up, which is also very much uh, that like there are opposite ends of the spectrum. But when you look at something like motion picture, it is it is the closest to the idealism of Star Trek yeah. and all the representative ideals. Uh, it's very much a child of two thousand and one and not Star Wars, yes. which had come out. But when you look at but see that's just it. Back in the seventies, yeah, right there, yeah. you had. 2001, you had Star Wars. Well, you 2001 had, was in the 60s. Yes, but I mean, yeah. as far I'm, I'm talking about in that time period, as, well, as far Trek's as big picture, movies. The only reason Star Trek most picture got made was because of the success of Star, Star Wars. Wars. Correct. It was the Paramount and, and, and Gene Roddenberry and um, who directed the first picture? That's, um, oh my goodness. I can think of Nicholas Meyer doing Star yeah, Trek Yeah, Nicholas Meyer did Star Trek 2. It's uh, not like we don't have a, you know. But, but anyway, but just everyone that had got together was like, 
we're going to do just like Battlestar Galactica. We don't have a tricorder in front of us that will give us all the or information. Or anything like that. Wish. But yeah, the Star Trek The Notion Picture was directly made after they were never going to do anything else. But see, well, that, it was, but, uh, well, it was originally the, the second television show was Phase 2, which, yeah. <laughs> which I, strangely enough, they're doing Star Trek Discovery, which hopefully will be good. But uh, there's something interesting going on with that show that ties into Axanar. Yes. Uh, which uh, is absolutely fascinating. But see, this is, this was kind of my point. Back back in the seventies, you didn't Robert have Weiss did Star Trek the Motion Picture, and the director's cut is actually I would if anyone's going to watch Star Trek the Motion Picture, and I always say rent the director's cut. It is more streamlined of a cut. Oh, so I do I recommend that. Unfortunately, at some point, as, as an older person, I'd like to go back and see it again. I mean, I probably haven't seen it since high school, and I still just going like, oh my god, this is so boring. But did you watch it when you, it was well in the seventies? No, I watched it when in. The first, the first Star Trek picture I think I saw in the movie theater was Star Trek Two. Okay, so as a kid in the seventies, there wasn't a lot of sci-fi, big big budget movies. You had Star Wars. Star Wars is really it, right? Yeah. Especially and fantasy because two thousand and one, even though it was fantasy, it was still Earth. It's yeah, hard, still yeah, everything hard everything that got pulled off of Star Wars, something like Battlestar Galactica, which didn't have a gigantic budget after its first TV movie. Would fail you because it just was it didn't have the production value. Using the name Flash Star Gordon Trek, yeah, whatever. Using using the name Star Trek, they were able to throw a budget at a film, to, you know, at a feature length film, and make it look good. There's almost a sense. I think one of the things that, that always bugs me with Star Trek One is I think the aesthetic looks so different than the original sure, series sure. Uh, that it doesn't feel the aesthetic of it doesn't feel as Star Trek as something like Star Trek Two. But that might be just you know looking into history and going that the movies for me were much more influential on what I thought of Trek. Uh, versus the TV series because uh, I, I I can't even say that I've seen every episode of the original series, you know. Uh, unlike Next Gen or DS Nine that I watched all the way through, so my my connection to the original series and that original cast is always is the films is the films. Yeah, and that's I mean, and when you look at something like Star Trek Six, I think that's another one of that batch that is the uh, one, four, and six. The Star Trek Four is the one where they're bringing the whales back. To the, uh, back to the Future, because uh, the whale probe was sent from the alien race. It's and lost contact. It lost contact yeah. with the species that were on Earth. And they just tried to punish and, us. <laughs> and, and Star Trek VI, which is about sort of the the new era of the Klingon Empire. They're slowly like dying, yeah. and a new piece is brought. That's another one where, despite its heavy action elements it's not really it's i suppose more heavy on adventure that's also very close to start because it deals with diplomacy and it deals yeah. with deals with changing and it ties well in the heart in it is very different yes because it is the, the, the idea of an undiscovered country is which the subtitle is the undiscovered uh, undiscovered idea of trying to find a way to make peace with your hated enemies you've, yes. you've given the klingons for god knows how many years right. wasn't that right and at then, the end of the cold war too yeah the, the, yes. it was it was a complete and utter allegory for yeah, the united cold states and, and soviet union and Star Trek Six came out after the premiere of Next Gen, right? Yeah, it was like so. Yeah, so we'd already seen Worf on the bridge of the Enterprise, and so well, I think that's what led to it, wasn't it? Well, it was a lot of different ideas, but obviously, once you start going, well, let's talk about this. This idea is we've seen the Berlin Wall falls, we've seen USSR become this completely different nation than we grew up with. The end of the Cold War, and the easiest thing is to use Michael Jordan plays his own grandfather. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah because he, yeah, he in, plays he plays which was uh, great. Colonel Worf, who's the lawyer, uh-huh. yeah. who's the defense attorney for Kirk, which and is McCoy. fantastic. Yeah. So in terms of well, let's do the, in terms of the movies. What is your what at, to take away the Star Trekian part of it? What's your favorite movie? So if I had to pick out of 
all ten classic yeah, every, Star Trek films. Yeah. Including include the new ones. No. But it doesn't matter. It's a Star no. Trek film is a Star Trek film. Because well, it depends. Are we going to talk? No, and then you're going to like no, but Prime your, Universe. Your your favorite is not going to be any of the, the no, new three. I, no, I know that. That's I would what I'm just I would What's say favorite? I would say easily the one that I could rewatch over and over again is Star Trek Six with a close second for Star Trek Four and Star Trek Four was one of the ones that I would watch over and over as a kid. I liked them in 1980s San Francisco. I like uh, the transparent aluminum where Scotty goes back in time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do we know this guy didn't invent it? What do we, you know, just really cute little references like that. I was like, you know, you get to see that fish out of water story, especially because time travel, especially for Star Trek, where it's like, whales are cars. mammals. Whale, yes, they are. <laughs> Ethan, what's your favorite Star Trek movie? There's a movie. <laughs> Oh, no, I think I've only seen one of them, and it's Into the Darkness. Okay. Oh, wow. That's the so, only one you've ever seen. Yeah. Travis, what about you? I'm not a big Star Trek uh, fan, if you guys haven't noticed already. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a big fan of anything, except well, for Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Yep. And when, when Walking uh, Dead and Star Trek no, do a Power crossover. Rangers and wrestling, but anyway. Travis, your favorite film? Uh, by a landslide in Star Trek Four, Because I grew up in the Bay Area, and I'd been to Monterey Bay Aquarium and seen all these guys. And, and then... I, I like all the cute, catchy references and the, you know, looking for a nuclear vessel and hello, computer. What's a nuclear yeah. wet vessel or a vessel? A vessel. Well, you I, answered it yourself. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, that's that's always really, really fun. And I like and as a as a Star Trek nerd, like rewatch, like watching the 2009 Star Trek, I was fascinated to see like, well, when you look at Captain Kirk in Star Trek four, he's like. Their cars. This is this is interesting to see old fashioned transportation that uses gasoline and double dumbass on you and stuff like that. And then in the new movie, it's like I'm stealing a car because apparently everyone still has cars and like Sirius XM satellite radio because there are corporations <laughs> in the 24th century for some reason. It's a collector's right. from his deadbeat dad. Mine's uh, first contact. Yeah, mine's first contact. First contact is because for me, is, my is my quote unquote great. my Star Trek is next gen. Yes, and first contact to me is the first next generation film because generations. generations to me, I've always hated the fact that Kirk's in it because right. I thought they got their send off in six and then you know they well they want to do a passing the torch from Kirk to Picard and yada yada and all this other crap. And yeah, it was for an me, unnecessary it was, passing. Yeah, and and it's just not a good film either. I don't think it's it's one of those things. It's got that, pieces, but yeah, it, it definitely has pieces. Especially, I did a recent rewatch of it, and it's like, oh, this, there's a lot of really good stuff. The stuff with the Nexus is fascinating when you sort yeah. of like, especially because it was near the end of Next Generation's run. Yeah, and then you also get you get and, Whoopi Goldburn, who is uh, really good in that. Who, yeah, because yeah, but she's also basically, if you think about, it, she she's Maz from Star Wars. But you know, at this point. Or actually, I should say Maz is basically her because she's been around a thousand years. Yeah. She's seen it all. Yeah, and I uh, well, she had so many great episodes. One of my favorite episodes yeah. of Next Generation is when they go back in time to coincidentally San Francisco because that's the focal point of yeah. a lot of time travel. They meet Mark Twain. Yeah, and uh, Guinan is visiting that- Earth oh, in, yeah. in the late eighteen hundreds, and is just yeah, because there's so much between her and Q too. The, the first yes. episode, of the Q is that is that the episode where uh, where they lose data? And yes, he gets put they, in the they cave find for they, centuries. They find his head. In, yeah, like currently, game, yeah, in the current, yeah, in the in the present. In I think San I've Francisco. watched like ten minutes of that one. It's, that it's a, really that really is such a great episode, though. But it establishes oh, so it establishes years. the mysterious relationship of Captain Picard and Guinan, which I yeah. think does a great job carrying over in uh, Generations, which is one of the few great moments, is where he meets that echo of Guinan in yeah. 
uh-huh. in the, the Nexus, Nexus who's still there. Yeah. There's and pieces. She's and, explaining and, like there's a reason why we all want to come back here because yeah. we can be. Yeah, she's at experienced any point before. In our life. Yeah, you know, right. we can you yeah, can they, have the life you've always wanted. And you get to see sort of Picard's regrets, the closing out the story arc with his family because uh, yes. his brother Robert mm-hmm. and his nephew are killed in the movie in a fire. Because if you watch a lot of those classic episodes, they still own their winery, but they live yeah. a very old-fashioned life. Right. And, yep. in, you know, their, their adherence to the old ways of life gave them an end that was very much old-fashioned. They died in a house fire, and they never really had to explain much more than that. But then to sort of see Captain Picard, you know, even more so, like... Because Captain Picard's a character who unfolded over seven seasons. Oh, yeah. In the first season, he's not a very likable character... He's very gruff, but then he grows into the family, and then he loses his real family yeah. and realizes how much the the crew of the ship is more of a family to him than he's ever had. Yeah. Now, um, Generations has some great next-gen moments and pieces yes. for next-gen yeah. characters, but it's as a whole, I just don't enjoy it as much as something like First yeah. Contact, which has... It, it blends the... the, the like the... Um, it's got the sci-fi element of... And I like uh, the villain in that. I like Soren as a villain. Yeah. Um, but it uses... Um, in terms of the first contract for, for me, it's got that... It, the, 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 when they go into the past and they're on Earth and it's got all the funny moments. It's got the very Star Trek oh, moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A discovery in space. But it also has this really kick-ass action-adventure, yes, you know, laser-battle sequence, and it has my favorite Picard moment when he goes absolutely nuts and he starts right. screaming about destroying Again, the Borg race. all about, all about yeah. Captain Everything Picard. But I, I, love the fact, I love the fact that they went back in time and they got to be a part of the initial launch and the first, you know... It well, was everything just, with, with it, I mean, in terms Cromwell? of... Yeah. James Cromwell. And, you know, interestingly enough, some Star Trek trivia, the role of Zephyr McCockin was originally going to be played by Tom Hanks, who then encountered scheduling conflicts and they replaced him with James Cromwell. Huh. But they picked choice. Tom Hanks because he looked a little closer to uh, the actor from Star Trek TOS. Right. Because uh, Zephyr Cochran decides to leave Earth and then he lands on that planet and he meets the companion and the companion gives him youth. But oh, I, do right. en- I do enjoy that explanation of like, well, the ages don't really fit because James Cromwell is a lot older than Tom Hanks. So he's older, he's thinner, he's gone. I like so Radiation poisoning, man. Yeah, there you go. Working with antimatter engines, just ruin, and also Bef- World War Three. Yeah, before that, before yeah. First Contact was released, was it established that the Vulcans were the First Contact? Yes. Okay. Yes. For yeah. someone like me that wasn't as like super involved in Trek, that was a big surprise. You get to yes. the like, oh hey, there's Vulcans, awesome. No, it's just uh, yeah. The, the Federation was established by the Vulcans, the Andorians, Earthlings, and the Tellarites. So the four races. Right. Um. Since we're talking about Next Generation, what's your favorite Next Generation episode, Chris? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but the, my favorite, and, and it's kind of an odd one, it's the, the one where Picard gets hit by that ray, and the he lives out the inner I know, I know the episode. The, oh, the inner I was so engaged in that episode. I still remember where I, the first time I saw it, I was sitting on my couch, I was on the right-hand side, my mother was in the, the family room chair, and we didn't say anything for an hour. We just watched that episode. I was so engrossed by that episode. Um, Patrick Stewart's performance is magnificent. The end is... He should have been an Emmy nod. Oh, him and Brent Spiner should have multiple Emmys. I'm sorry. Yeah, There's oh, just yeah. Brent Spiner's one of the finest actors to ever be on television. To, to play that role and how hard it is to continue to play that role and be... 
to tell him you're not allowed to be different at any point. You have to be the same character over and over and over again because you can't really evolve except for certain special episodes. But anyway, well, but when you Inter- have so him to, versus Lore too, there's yeah. There's the, but but in terms of himself. Inner Light is my favorite. Um, the end is is heartbreakingly beautiful. And then if I have to pick second, oh it's the final episode because. That final sequence, that final scene, is the greatest final scene oh, yeah. of any series. Yeah, all good things. Is, all good things is my favorite. Well, just the, when you get to that end, you realize the entire seven years, and again, watching that that History Channel special edition, they kind of allude to the fact that by the, the fourth or fifth season, they're like, we know where we're going. We know what the last shot's going to be because we've never had Picard playing the poker game. Right. So that's the final shot of him yeah. sitting down and dealing the cards, and it was just so brilliant and so. Brilliant. But Inner Light's my favorite because it had such an emotional connection for me. Um, I love uh, the, the what's the two parter with the Borg? Best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. I also and, like the uh, one with Moriarty. That's a, those uh, Moriarty episodes. I Borg is, are, I Borg is one of my favorite too. I Borg is really Moriarty good. Had a couple episodes. Yeah, he yeah. did. Twice. Yeah, and anything with Q. John DeLancey uh, is amazing. Tap- oh, yeah. Tapestry is another great episode. Oh, that's that's a- where Q takes Captain Picard back in time, and you get to see him. As, oh, as the young, as the young person, he's yeah. the young Picard is the stereotype of Kirk, and yeah, because isn't what happens like he gets in a bar fight, and he, he hurts in someone a, or kills someone, he gets in a bar fight with some Nausicans, and then they stab him through the chest with That's a sword, and uh, which is why he has a he has a cybernetic heart, which is yeah. a, which is an interesting uh, metaphor for Captain Picard, especially when you learn about who he was later on. But uh, that's a really really good episode. Yeah, Inner Light's amazing. Uh, goofy uh, episodes. Anybody got some fun goofy episodes? One of my favorites, the one with uh, the the Barclays, uh, the Barclays syndrome, oh, where everyone yes. starts to revert oh. into yep. the into prehistoric creatures mm. from their respective home worlds. What's the one where they get they become kids? <sighs> oh my god, that's a re- that the kid actors in that normally that was normally, amazing. Oh my god, kid yeah, actors are usually the death ship. of <laughs> yeah. Usually the death of whatever you're doing. All I remember, I remember is I don't know the actress's name. The one that played Roe was was amazing. And young Captain Picard, just like a yes, just that little kid had like all the mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Travis, what's your favorite? Dude, there's so many. You guys already mentioned Inner Light. Yeah, we na- we we mentioned the like the like oh pretty much every the murder the murderer's row that seems to be on the picks for for others. If people, if but. we're gonna pick up like well I'll pick up two of uh, the data centric ones. Uh, Measure of a man. That's a great one. Where he's where they're trying to prove that he's not a real sentient being. Yeah, right. they, they, oh, they, yeah. they want to they want to tear him apart to make more. So yeah, for so anyone that, not say so yeah, measure a man, they want to basically Starfleet wants data. They want to be able to disassemble him so they can make more androids. But right. unfortunately, Commander Riker is put in the position of having to basically play devil's advocate yeah. as to why Starfleet should be allowed to take him yeah, as like property. The yeah. And then, uh, and then the other data one is I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where he becomes all the aliens uh, because a probe hits him and he starts having multiple personalities and they're all trying to take over the ship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what's the, the one where, so what's so, the one where Picard's being put on trial? 
The oh the the wait the one about the the Romulans with you? The, no the, the Romulan one is amazing with the ones tortured. Romulans yeah when, when oh, are, you about the, are you talking about there are Drumhead. four lights no yeah. no no Drumhead that, is, that's the one I'm talking about is the one where he's the one where he gives, he's tortured by the by the Romulans oh, that, not no, the no, Romulans no, no. the um, he's tortured by the Cardassians the Cardassians in, yeah. in, well we're all tortured by the Cardassians yes. that's uh, that's Chain of Command is the one where he's like there are four yes. lights Chain of Command is the Cardassians yeah the Cardassians no. We're all as Kristen. We're all and then, uh, um, no. The one where he he, he gives this great speech at the end, and again the the arbitrator is uh, he he starts re- repeating her father's speech to him. Yes, and, yeah, that's the drumhead. Where that's uh, 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 the entire episode about witch hunts. Yes, that was such an amazing. That matter of fact, uh, BBC America just had that one on. They've been playing the whole that's, thing. Yeah, that's a fantastic episode. And that, that was such an amazing episode. The one with the sea is good too. The, kind of the takeoff on Mirror Mirror, yeah, uh, where they they go back in time and they they don't let the the sea doesn't come to the uh, the aid of the Klingon warship and doesn't end the war, and so the they kind of flips the or no they pull the sea that's what it was the sea comes out of the, the, to, the time, time stream it comes to what is our present, present and it creates the mirror universe where the, yeah the, where the, the Romulans are destroying the Klingons it. yeah the, the Earth, Klingons the I'm Earth sorry. Klingon Jeez, war has started again yeah and the Klingons are when, I I always remember that when. When they're talking about real you know, refitting the ship and everything, and, and the, the captain Picard is talking to the captain of the, of the sea and saying, "One more ship isn't going to help us. The Klingons right. are going to destroy us. There's just no, there's nothing, there's no way around it." And plus, it brought Tasha Yar back. I mean, that was it did. yeah, it, did. You know, it was it was beautiful pieces that were in it that were great, and it was talking about the sacrifice of what they were doing. You have that captain oh, and the yeah, entire crew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the captain and the entire crew of the of the sea, the Enterprise C, says, "We know we're going to die. We have to go back because we we have to fix the timeline." And they go back Yesterday's and sacrifice Enterprise. Yesterday's yeah. Enterprise with Captain Rachel Garrett of the Enterprise. He, in fact, you know what? Yeah. One of one of my big gripes about uh, Generations, as much as I like seeing William Shatner act, uh, is uh, this is I would have rather have seen Captain Harriman and Captain Picard together, Captain the Enterprise B, instead of because you you wanted Cameron and I do Cameron want Cameron and, <laughs> one because that character needs needs a lot of redemption and there is a Star Trek comic that IDW did about Captain Harriman I think Scott Tipton wrote it and it's like a one it was a one shot book but he's a character that everyone kind of kind of gives the short end of the stick because like they treat it like he sort of fucked up everything yeah pardon my French but the the reality is is it's just a shakedown cruise yeah. <laughs> And they, what is he supposed to do? They don't have anything necessary. They don't even full crew compliment. But everyone's like, "Oh, he's the worst. He's the worst. He yeah. all, he killed Kirk." But it's like, well, no, not really. But I do kind of wish that generations would have been Captain Harriman thrust into the future. And like, okay, give the character a good redemption story, which they've sort of done later on. But and then no one likes the Will Wheaton or the the Wesley Crusher episodes. But I like the one where they were. Um, when he was at the academy, and they did the two-parter with them, uh, with where the, they lied about what they did. With yeah, the when they did the the uh, what it's was it, the Jupiter Starburst or yeah, whatever yeah, the Starburst maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Another bizarre Star Trek link. Uh, the Starburst uh, was a sponsor. Uh, Lucarno, the guy who actually tells them to do the maneuver, and it kills one of the cadets. That was originally yep. the character of Tom Paris on yes, Voyager, but. They yes, want, it was. They didn't want to pay yeah. royalties to the creator of the character, so they just changed the name and hired the same actor. Hmm. But I, I, it's interesting, especially because he was in prison at the beginning of Voyager, and it's like, hey, uh-huh. we need a pilot for this. We're going to go chase uh, some Cardassians down in the, the Badlands, and uh, you're the best pilot in Starfleet, but you're here. And it's like, wait a second, isn't that that? No. 
Well, they've done that a lot. Like, no, um, it's not the guy. It's, it's, not, guy. it's not Ensign Locarno. It's Tom Paris. Well, like, what's Wait. her name that plays Roe was in the the episode? Um, she was in an episode, um, the uh, the Half Life or um, Half a Life. Uh, Is she, that the one where she and Jordy disappear? No, she no. plays the daughter of. Um, of we were just talking about this last night, Chris. Uh, yeah, but I thought of, Edson Rowe was actually introduced in, in Next Gen. She, she was. She was in Next Gen. Yeah, but she, she was. But she was, she, she was as an actress. actress as, as an actress, she was in an earlier episode with um, uh, Charles um, Winchester from Mash. Um, he played a. They played a race that once they get to a certain age, they they uh, yeah. they have yes. to go through yes. the ritual and die off. And yeah, he didn't. He it's that Logan's Run. Yes, planet. and yeah. he he ends up meeting. Uh, uh, Oh God! I just lost all the names. Um, Deanna's mom, um, or Joe Barrett. Oh, Deanna Troy's mom. Deanna Troy's yeah, mom. Yeah, the actress is Michelle Barrett. Right, Michelle Barrett. So, and she, she fall, he falls in love with her and doesn't want to die. And then they bring his daughter on, which happens to be the same actress who plays Rose. Yeah, and she's got this weird hairstyle that looks like something because she's out of Fooville or something. Yeah, the super ninety, especially those the like the first two seasons of Next Gen is super ninety. Yeah, oh, yeah. hairstyle. Yeah. Not till later where they kind of calm down. But. Yeah, I don't. Even when when I flip through and I see the, the early ones, are sort of like. Eh. But my point was, they, but, you, they, but they, you know, there is a lot of setup in those old episodes. No, I know. That, At some point, I want to go back and watch them all again. Like I've seen them all. I remember I missed like a whole season, but because UPN could kind of do whatever it wanted because it was already sort of a syndicated show, they showed the same exact season that had just completed through the summer. Yeah, and it was a season that introduced the Borg, and thank God they did because the next season, the end of that was, um, uh, uh, Best of Both Worlds. Oh, watch, watch watch BBC America. They played as well, much as oh, no, G4 used to yeah. play Cops. Oh, no, I, 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 I've watched them. That's what I'm saying is when I turn one on, and it's one of the early ones, I usually, you know, I don't get all the way through it. But at some point, I want to watch the whole thing oh, yeah. through Especially again. Especially seasons one and two, because the, the there's a few episodes scattered about that deal with uh, missing Starfleet colonies, and they had a completely different race of characters set up, but then it wasn't until they introduced Q, and he introduced Starfleet to the Borg, where they sort of went back and went, Oh, the Morg aren't coming. They've already been here. Mm-hmm. They're the ones yeah. who've been snatching up colonies. And then Enterprise did a, a great sequel episode to Star Trek First Contact. If you've never seen it, I recommend watching that as well. Okay, so Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine, for me, after you got past the very first episode, it had a very slow period. And yeah, I think, but Next Gen had the same thing. Yeah. Deep Space uh, yeah. Nine gets great at season three. But then, Deep Space Nine, I think overall is one of the best Star Trek shows. Yeah, Next Gen and once, Deep Space once Nine. they got a different Star Trek show. Once they got to to really getting into their war, when 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 Cisco, Roddenberry died, basically, when, <laughs> when Cisco gets the beard, yes. that's when you know the show when, gets good. When characters get beards, that's when it's good. Once Riker gets a beard, yes. Jen takes over. But the funny thing that's is, why, that's why Enterprise didn't survive. They never let uh, uh, Scott Bakula grow a beard. He never they never got beard. Archer a beard. Yeah, Archer never grew a beard. Um, so. Uh, Cisco had a uh, a, uh, a solar sail play or a solar sail episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he flew built, a solar. He, yes. Yeah, he yeah. recreated the Bajoran, which had a lot, solar which sail ship. looked a lot like the solar sail. Yeah, from, there's, only, there's only so many things you can do from Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. I, I'm and that's one of those things where I don't doubt that. That yeah, Deep Space Nine for me is a series the same that when, ideas yeah. exploding around. Yeah, there's always it kind of flips through. Those and you want to make it look ancient and blah blah blah. DS Nine is one of those that, like, when it was first introduced, you're going, "This is not going to work. It's not on a starship. It's in a, a stationary place. You've got, you know, they're on the edge of the Romulan or the Cardassian space. It's going to be bad." And after kind of a rocky first season, and those people kind of come together, 
You can only go to the wormhole the so many times. Through it, yeah. The the, wor- the problems of the wormhole only so many, um, only so many things that you can extrapolate from it. But again, you have someone like Avery Brooks who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Renee, uh, thank you. Uh, who is the incredible. who is the Reverend on the original Nash movie? Yeah. Yes. And um, I mean, even uh, Quark. Oh my! The person who plays Quark is incredible. You have a species that was used as a joke in Next Gen, and one of their characters is as as important as any character in Star Trek history in DS Nine, and played into so many. Especially when he gets older. Yeah, Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, is uh, Quark. Yeah, brilliant. And the actor who plays his brother Rom, the the most amazing comedy duo. Yeah. In almost any piece of television, just and then because for me, like DS9, so I, I, good. What about Moran, which is Norm backwards? Uh, Do you remember Morn. Morn. Morn, yes, Morn. Yeah, Morn, who had like one amazing episode where everyone thinks he dies. And yes. they talk about like it's like it's like you can never get him to shut up, and he's a character that you never see talk once. Yeah, and that was get, so and, right. and, yeah. Getting back to that that history special where they talked about DS9 was kind of like sort of funny. Then when they brought Michael Dorn in as Worf. Yeah, was yeah. such a brilliant movie. Oh, yeah. As my favorite, my personal favorite Star Trek character of all time is Worf, followed by Picard. He deserved his own show. Yeah, and was it was that like, like Dorn well, and been trying for years. He's been trying. Yeah, but to have Dorn on it as Worf, and to to kind of retell some of those Worf stories, uh, Worf stories instead of war stories, um, but also perfect fit. You, that's the type of character that would be on that station. You know, you're you're basically yeah. next to a war zone. You have a character who's been on both sides of this kind of conflict and understands these things that goes there. Chief O'Brien, I mean, I thought they did a good job yeah, of kind of bringing taking him pieces, back as well. Yeah, taking pieces from Next Gen and mm-hmm. putting them, inserting them in there. And it never felt forced to me, unlike Kirk being in the first right, generations right. movie, where it's like, this makes total mm-hmm. sense. Deep these Space are the type Nine of people to get. And Next Gen, I think, was like, they, they've had episodes of Next Generation. Another really great episode that's kind of a tearjerker is where they find Captain Scott, uh, Scotty. Uh, uh, he, they had the best yeah. set. Oh, yeah, he, he, he was yeah. He was he was smart enough to save himself and a couple crew members from his small ship. Mm-hmm. Even though yep. timeline with generations, how is he on the Enterprise B? And also stuck in a yeah, stuck, stuck in, in a, in a warp transporter. Print, so, transporter, yeah, transporter. But but you know the genius is that he basically to save himself crash landing on this planet. He stores himself and a few other of his crew members' patterns in the computer with a small power source. And unfortunately, they die, but they bring him back, and he gets to sort of have that second life. You know, he sees the holodeck. He sees how many things have changed. But they also did the same thing with uh, with uh, DeForest Kelly. They brought yep. him back yep. in the first episode of Next Generation. But it yeah. wasn't until in the last season of Next Gen that directly tied into the events of stuff like Deep Space Nine. Yeah, they ran concurrently for two for seasons? like like a season and a half, two season seasons. Half, two seasons? Right, Especially because with because the Dominion yeah. War stuff, they started yeah. ramping up the uh-huh. stuff with the Cardassians at the end of uh, Next Generation. But they but that's for me when it became. There was a t- point in time when there were two Star Trek series running concurrently for. Uh, it was Next Gen and then Deep Space Nine and then Deep Space Nine yeah. and Voyager. Yeah, yeah. it was almost for ten years. And the first episode of Voyager takes place on Deep Space Nine, where they yeah. were filmed yep. like two seasons. They ran concurrently. But I think with Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, it was the first time that the universe actually felt like a shared universe, especially when you learn of uh, Sisko's hatred of Captain Picard. Yeah. Because Captain Captain Picard killed his wife when... uh, When When he was Locutus. When he was Locutus, when they were on the same ship at Wolf... uh, uh, 
three, Cisco three, and his wife. Three, four, nine? Yeah, uh, Wolf 359. 359. When the, the ship was destroyed and she was killed in the explosion, it was just him and his son. Yeah. yeah. And and to sort of see that animosity right off the bat in the first episode because the Enterprise... Oh, yeah, there. he's yeah, the Enterprise he there. hates him. Yeah, the Enterprise is there to help uh, provide assistance into bringing the station back is when the Cardassians left. They destroyed everything to make sure that uh, the Federation couldn't find anything on them. Good record keepers. Though. So, uh, favorite episode, Chris? Ooh. Space Knights. Space Knights. I put the whole Dominion War together. So that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of get those pieces out. Uh, probably one of the, Not in terms of a favorite, but one of the interesting things that they... I got my three, so... I yeah, I, I, so. I know you'd know. Yeah. It. Uh, it was the idea that they, they posit in it that the reason that all the aliens are, you know, humanoid is because they all come from one single spot. Yeah, that was, so, that was next the, yeah. gen. That happened in uh, was next, next gen. Was, was, I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, it was next gen, but uh, the 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 founders. Wasn't the, yeah, it wasn't the shape. The, the founders were supposed to be originally the same race that were the progenitors of all of okay. well, the majority of the humanoid races in our galaxy. Yeah, because there's stuff like right. the Tholians who are like crystal spider monsters. Yeah, but the idea that the yeah. ma- the major races that you've seen the Cardassians, yeah, they're the, all the one. That was, that was next the Ferengi, which is another great episode. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard not to say Cardassians. Yeah, it's, it's actually the same actress who plays the lead founder in Deep Space Nine. It's the oh, same yeah. actress from that episode. Again, another so like pieces, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna yeah. reuse these characters. Oh no, I don't want to. We don't want to pay. Oh, if you look at like start like the newer Star Trek from the next generation through the end of Voyager, there are a million reappearing actors playing right. either similar or exact same roles across the board. Uh-huh. Uh, the actor who plays Tuvok and his name escapes me was uh, was in. He was in First Contact, wasn't he? Not in First Contact. Yes. He w- he played he played a. Um... Uh, no, the actor who plays Tuvok is in Star Trek Six, and they yes. reuse that in an episode of Voyager by retconning his character in Star Trek VI as Tuvok. So Tuvok... Tim ser- Russ. Tim Russ. Tim Russ. Tim Russ served he was also, on, the, on the USS Excelsior. So. He was also in an episode with Picard when he... Yes. Yeah, there, there's, like, there's like two or three other episodes where he's uh-huh. just playing random crewmen and stuff. Yeah, because I seem to remember him in a next-gen uniform at some point. Yes, but it's not. he's not playing okay. the character. It wasn't until later that they actually... They actually, that's a great episode of Voyager where... Tuvok is having problems and they need to learn how to solve it. But we'll get to Voyager. We'll get First to contact, Voyager. of course, also. So, has, Sebastian, uh, your favorite DS9s? Uh, in the Pale Moonlight is easily yes. the greatest piece of television ever written, and it all starts with a is that, monologue. Is that the Joker? <laughs> <laughs> it starts with the, the yes. opening monologue. It's, it's Captain Sisko giving his daily log about, yeah. uh, yes. about how he sets up the assassination of a Romulan senator. So he can coerce the Romulans into entering the Dominion War to fight with the the Federation and the Klingons, and it's an amazing yeah. piece because he keeps jumping back and forth. He's actually he's drinking, you know, he's got his actual booze as he's giving his log, and it's a great Garrick episode too. Garrick mm-hmm. is another. I, Garrick is all over that episode. I would love a Garrick miniseries because he's basically supposed to be like the outcast James Bond of the Cardassian. Everybody, yeah, everybody talks about he's like the greatest spy ever. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's basically James Bond if he was kicked out of the government and was exiled. That's it, that character yeah. name didn't sound familiar. Uh, he's he's familiar. the tailor on the show. Yeah, so what did I think he is the tailor? And who, was, who, was, who was Gull? Who was Gull? Uh, Gull Ducat. Gull yeah. Ducat is was another Ducat amazing... He's the bad guy. He's, he's a, the bad okay. He's the villain. He's the villain of the series. But Garrick always reminded me... Uh, he reminds me of... Uh, of 
the eunuch in Game of Thrones. He always reminds me of Balthazar in, in Battlestar Galactica. A little bit, except he's the not a whiny fl- bitch. No, I know, but it's, I mean the original. It's just like his voice. You know, I just love that. Thing. It's like any other ones. You'd shoot a man in the back. Well, it's the safest way to be sure. <laughs> just as his justification for why you should always shoot someone in the back if you're in a bad situation. Did he come out? Oh, did there, he he committed genocide so or something? No, or? no, he. Uh, no, no. Galdicott is the one that they mention, like maybe committed genocides and everything. He, yeah, he was the, the one who was. He was the. He was basically like the 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 Himmler yes. doing the genocide yeah. against the the Bajoran people. No, no. Uh, Garrick was always like the behind the scenes. You never see what he does. Like uh, and there are so many really cool moments. They never, where they you never, never know you. which side never, he's really on. Yeah, but they also never tell you what he did. All you know. No, that, and that's a, that's the beauty of Garrick is that you would sit there and like something would be like something would be happening on the ship and something would really need to get done for something to happen and all of a sudden Garrick would just be like, well, maybe it'll happen and like ten minutes later it happened and they're like, how the hell did you do that? And he's like, I don't know. Andrew Robinson is the actor. Yes. yes. He's an amazing actor. Yes. Any other ones? Sebastian? In the Pale Moonlight's amazing. It's only a paper moon, which is, oh, yeah. a, great, is awesome. a great piece. So for... anything with moon in the title. Sure. Sure. Anything anything <laughs> with oh, moon. It's, it's with uh it's it, with Vic Fontaine. Yeah, Vic Fontaine, uh-huh. but it's uh so during the Dominion War, uh uh Oh my gosh, the Vic Fontaine is a character. I, I sort of want to give people, like, especially if you're not big into Star Trek, so Vic Fontaine. Uh, it's it's Jimmy Darren is uh, is the actor slash singer. Yeah, yeah, but the Vic Fontaine is a character who runs a holographic nightclub, and they leave his programming on all the time in Quark's bar. But during the Dominion War, Nog is is wounded and yes. is sent yeah. back to Deep Space Nine, and mm-hmm. to sort of take his mind off of it, he spends time in this holodeck program that's essentially 1960s Las Vegas. Yep, and he's yep. in nightclubs. But then, because of his depression and his post traumatic stress disorder, he starts to live there. Yeah. And yeah. it's a great episode about dealing with uh, dealing with the psychological trauma. And yes. he, of course, is hiding in a fictional reality. It's, right. That's why it's it's only a paper moon. It doesn't exist. This isn't real life. By the way, In the Pale Moonlight has the highest star rating of any of the episodes I've looked at oh, interesting. on IMDb. It's a 9.3. If you're going to watch any episode of Star Trek ever, yeah. start with In the Pale Moonlight. Just to get a feel for... Like the peak of what Star Trek is capable of in storytelling. It was so good. And also, the actor who plays the Romulan senator is actually the guy who plays the original Night Owl in Watchmen. By the way, just oh yes, bizarre yes. connection. Travis, how about you? Oh, oh man. and and uh, Little Green Men. It, and Little Green Men. If you want a comedy episode with uh, with the uh, with the Ferengi. Rom, Nog, and Quark are sent back to 1950s America. Oh, God. You know what? Yes. Where they are the aliens from Roswell. Yes, they are. And, oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was such a great episode. And then uh, what is- Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, that's where, it. Where they go back yeah, in time that's, to that's, the that's Trouble my, That's episodes. one of my favorite ones. That's a great episode. They rec- Just the, the work of recreating sets. Also, some of the best merging of new and old footage. But when you... I know, Travis, we'll get to yours, but I just want to talk about this one real quick since we're here. When you get Worf sitting there with them, and they're looking over, and they realize that, that the Klingons, the Klingons are, are there, and they're different, and Worf is just like, we don't, we don't talk about that. That's a bad period. We discuss it with <laughs> outsiders. So that was so such a, a great... time for all of us. <laughs> that was such a great little moment. It's perfect. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect explanation. I actually meant to bring Arabella's triple down here for the episode, but I didn't want it going off the whole time. And if you actually do want to know why, there's a great Enterprise two-parter that deals with why the Klingons look different. 
Yes. Oh, Tra- yeah. So, Travis, what's your favorite DS9s? Uh, oh, God. Well, for comedy, uh, my, my number one is Our Man Bashir. Oh, my where, God. That's such a good yeah. episode. Again, with James Bond being the running theme, especially with a lot he's, of characters. He literally is He's James literally Bond. James Bond. Mm-hmm. And I like... He's literally. I he love, wears a tuxedo the whole time. And I love, I love Garrick intruding on his holodeck adventure as essentially being James Bond. He's like... Real spies wouldn't do any of this. This is crazy. Yeah, he's like, this is a terrible decision. Why are you out in the open? Why, why aren't are you blowing everything up? Why aren't you just murdering people in their <laughs> sleep? And, uh, I don't understand why you don't just poison him while he's yeah, sleeping. Why, yeah, why are you you're doing this the wrong way? Deep Space Nine and Next Gen both had some amazing, amazing holodeck experiences. And, and the, it's yeah, also, uh, well, the holodeck is one of the greatest inventions, which the was greatest apparently on the... Uh, the the first time they ever saw something like it was in the animated series. Yeah, yeah. there was a holodeck. But yeah, the holodeck was basically we can do the Sherlock Holmes episodes. We yeah. can do great data. The, the we can yeah, do time traveling episodes. episodes. We can do whatever yeah, we want by using the holodeck and making it. You know, and it ends up being a big part of First Contact. It's one of the weirdest. Uh-huh. Greatest scenes, like why are they in a nineteen twenties? <laughs> he pulls out the Tommy he, gun because yeah, he's, he's basically yeah. yeah. Which is interesting, you know. Another parallel that you, you don't really think about, but uh, you've got Captain Picard essentially as Dick Tracy. Yep. Yeah. And then you've got, especially with Nikki the nose, who has a metal nose. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And and, and Doctor Bashir being James Bond, sort of two ends of the crime. Oh, yeah. Fiction yeah. spectrum. Noir, yeah. All right, so, keep going, Travis. Uh, Travis what, okay, go ahead. The the visitor. Is a really oh, it's good. so good. Um, it's where uh, um, uh, Captain Sisko dies, and uh, Jake spends the rest of his life mm. trying to find yeah. some way to reunite with his dad. Right, because he, know, he, he knows he's not dead, and it's he a, knows he's not gone. He knows it's it's a you know it's a false trap, and that that he's he's not gone. He's and everybody else has moved on, but he just refuses. And I mean, into old age, spends his entire life trying to find his father. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a great turning point for his character, too, because the character changes after that. Yeah. And then what's uh, the, there's another great Jake episode. It's the one where he actually becomes a war reporter for the Federation News Service. Oh. And he's actually sent to the front lines of combat. Yeah. Uh, and he starts to get uh, survivor's guilt. And it, it's a that's another. Really I always good appreciated the relationship because at the time and, and probably since then, almost every show that was on TV between a father and a son, it was always antagonistic. Yes. the son was always a jerk, or the father was always a jerk, and the son. The son the and here it was like idiot. it much like much like what Roddenberry did is saying, "Hey, there's going to be black people in the future, and there's going to be women who will have very important jobs on big spaceships. And, black people and, may be your doctors, yeah, or your yeah. superiors. Exactly. So that, you know, this great things for." In the future, fathers and sons can still have wonderful relationships, and they Baseball. can talk to each other, and they don't have to be angry at each other all the time, and they can yeah. understand. So, yeah, Jake was Jake was fantastic, much more so than you would think. That type of character in almost all those shows to me is death, because it's such an antagonistic relationship for no oh, yeah. reason. Yeah. But in this show, they wrote it. He was a very important part of that entire piece. Well, they had a, they had a father son type of relationship between Picard and the Crusher. So, you know what? That, that, I think that came later, but that was by the time that happened. Crusher seemed, Wesley Crusher was already a character who was on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> Wesley true. was one of those characters that you never really felt why he was there. Well, it, like they it, put him in there to start, like, oh, look at the young genius. But it, interesting, you know, that type of character was taken over. That that niche to me was always Data. 
yes. rather than right. Wesley. So Wesley was extraneous, and then Which is they just tried to yeah, find weird stuff to Wesley do Wesley Crusher it. is, is a Gary Stew for uh, Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry basically created the character of Wesley to be himself yeah. in the Star Trek universe as like this genius kid who can do everything and say everything, and then everyone kind of got tired of him, and then they wrote him off. Which Yeah, and then when his mom leaves the ship, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, we have this character, and now... How do we get rid mom? of him? Yeah. What does he need to do Because with he's him? a super genius. Let's say he Let's goes with him. an alien who is also a super he's, genius. and is Yeah, he's, he's actually connected to the stars and has superpowers. Oh, God. Yeah, there we go. All right. I'm one of the few people that liked Wesley, so... Wesley drove me crazy. Well, yeah, he drove me Travis, crazy. Travis, any oh, very nice of Wesley to leave his godhood <laughs> temporarily to go to Riker and... <laughs> And Diana's <laughs> wedding in Star Trek Nemesis. Wesley doesn't even like Wesley, though. <laughs> That's true. Because he sees too much of himself in his fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> so, Travis, we, anything Will else? Wheaton is literally Wesley Crusher, and there are days when he'll say um, something on Twitter where I go, shut up, Wesley. Yeah. Shut up, Wesley. Uh, you already said, you know, uh, Pale Moonlight and everything, but the other two that always come up for me are What You Leave Behind and... Yeah, Far beyond the stars. Far beyond. And what's the? Yes, those are two great. And the baseball episode too. Is what you left behind the the one where Dax dies? Uh, no, what you leave behind is uh, the last episode of the show. I think. Oh it yes, yes it is. Episode. Yeah. And it's where everything comes crashing down. Yep. What's going on with Odo and Kira? What's yes. going on with the Dominion War? What tragedy is happening to the Cisco's? What's going to happen to? What happens when everybody like? It's like the final. It's damn. a final hurrah at the Alamo and everything. Yeah, it's like damn the whole wormhole aliens. See, my my favorites, yeah. my favorites are I, the original episode is one that, to yeah, me. That's just great acting. It's great, but it's also it, the introduction of Deep Space Nine into the universe, into the Star Trek universe, felt so organic, and yeah. it didn't felt like oh, we're trying to push another show on you. It just it. it when the the way that they had their first mission and the way they it was combined with uh, next generation and even how they aired it was yes. great and i just i felt it was one of the most organic you know sequels or uh, spin-offs that you could have well how that you'd already established kind of a style and a tone you didn't have to and then you change well it's also a yeah. shift in tone too cuz like look this isn't about yeah. exploration we need to explore other parts but of the But in the sense of, like, you already have people... We talked about this with the, the start... In CW, when you did a show like Arrow versus a show like Flash. Right. Where the Flash, as we've always said, the joke is it hit the ground running because... It really It did. was... Everybody kind of knew what they were doing, whereas Arrow had to feel itself out. Star Trek yeah. Next Generation for that first season is like, eh, we've got this much and we can do this. And, we, and the budget wasn't as great as, as Deep Space Nine was or whatever... <laughs> So when you get the to Farpoint DS9, Station you're like, was, go. Yeah, but again, that's very, very different. Deep Space Nine is, uh, they're, they're, they're two ends of the same coin of sort of the exploration of humanity at its mm-hmm. peak. You have the Federation, but they're literally in the Wild West. They're yeah. out in the farthest outreaches of the Federation, right. and they're seeing... I mean, the Federation doesn't have religion anymore, or at least Earth doesn't. Everyone is atheistic. They don't believe right. in gods, but then they encounter a race of people who believe in gods, but have the technology and the knowledge of the way the universe works. But right. they also have interfering trans-dimensional aliens who appear to them every so often and don't really understand anything. Like, the, I just love that the aliens give no regard to the Bajorans whatsoever. They just have had several interactions with them, but they're treated as gods. The wormhole yeah. prophets? The worm, yeah, the prophets are the really wormhole yeah. aliens. Yeah. They just exist out of time, our time and space. And then they, 
show up every once in a while be like, eh, it's these things. They keep talking to us and praying to us. We should uh, throw them a bone every so often. Oh. <laughs> and my other favorite, one of my other favorite ones is uh, when Dax dies. Dax, yeah, the Dax dies. That was a, a beautiful episode. And the introduction of, I mean, the way they brought on the new Dax. Ezri Dax. Ezri Dax. Who's a lovable character. It was such a lovable character. Dealing with, essentially, you know, like the... What they never sort of do with Such Doctor an Who. innocent type character. Well, yeah, but, you know, they took sort of that Doctor Who where it's the, the symbiote carries the memories right. of the previous right. hosts, and then it's ingrained like, oh, I've got seven lifetimes of knowledge, but... Which you, was established in you have, Space Nine. But you still have your own personality, and everyone, like, oh, they fell in love with this character, and everyone kind of treats me like crap. Yeah. It's kind of like... Because a, I'm not yeah. this character. <laughs> well, it felt like it's a kind of a metaphor for... The audience. <laughs> You're like, oh, we love Terry Farrell. Oh, we got um, someone new? Yeah. Oh, come on. Hey, she wanted to do that show. She wanted to do That's Becker true. with Ted Dancing. Yeah. And, uh, and that show actually is kind of funny. That it show last, my, my first, one of my that very first. on forever. One of my very first auditions when I moved to L.A. was for Becker. Interesting. Yeah. I'd, that was, and I'd never watched that show. When I got ready to do the audition, I had to watch it. And I fell in love with it. It was so funny. Yeah. That's a, that, was, that was a good show. Ted Anson's got a new show coming up, doesn't he? Yeah, he's yes. doing the one with Kristen, with, with Kristen Bell. Bell. Kristen Bell, yes. Oh, uh, she goes to heaven, even though she's not a good person. Ah. Which they took all of Universal, you know, the back lot that's the old, yeah, yeah. old uh, European area. Yeah. That's her heaven. Weird. Yeah. Little, and yeah. take me out to the hollow suite. I'm sure Chris, that's uh, one yes. of your favorites. It, it is. For me, when I think of a baseball episode, all I can think of is the X-Files, though. The Fair X-Files enough. has the single best baseball episode ever. Ah. Uh, ever. Ever, um, ever, ever. I love that episode so much because it has nothing to do with the X-Files. It has everything to do with why baseball is amazing. Okay, so let's do Voyager real quick. Uh, it's going to be real quick because I think Sebastian will be the only one. I I tried Voyager and I never finished it. I think I got two Oh, I love Voyager. What I know doing? a lot of people got I just didn't get to the point where it was good. See, uh, Voyager was the one where Beth had watched some Next Gen with me. She'd also watched some Deep Space Nine with me. But it was Voyager that she watched from the beginning and as soon as she saw the first episode, she fell in love with it. And then when they got to seven and nine, she was completely hooked. She, you know, oh yeah, but another, again, like season three when things, yeah. you know, things take yeah. a turn. Although once the, you hit your stride, the, the the curse of being a Voyager fan, and I'm sure you felt this, uh, the rumors surrounding uh, Star Trek Discovery is that female captain. Yes, Star Trek's finally uh, going to have its female captain. Yeah, well, and I go. I watched Voyager for like seven years. Right, a female captain. A female I already had a female captain, was one of the, that and was one she of the was really good. Well, said, again, she going back, going yeah. back to that special, they said you know you have you go from Picard, who is as white as white could be, but then you show that there is a African American captain. Well, even in, in Next Generation, in, uh, in TOS, they had Captain yeah. uh, or uh, Doctor Mabenga, who was the other Doctor uh-huh. on uh, the Enterprise occasionally. Yeah, but in terms of having a captain, having someone who yeah. was in charge of the whole thing, you have Cisco as as a black captain, and then you have Captain Janeway as a woman. We well, had a couple of admirals that, that were well, female. Even, yeah, even, no, but even just in terms of a, a main, main character, character. Oh yes, in a spot. Not saying yes. They had said that somebody was carrying the show. Yeah, yeah they, someone they were, who's they were, they were, not not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily that Star Trek is saying. In in our universe, women in, in, in African Americans and everyone can make it's from a a marketing standpoint, from a creative standpoint, going, We don't care who our captain is, right. it has to be the right type They're of person. They're just not the red shirt that we're killing. Yeah, it, it's it's we picked Avery Brooks because he was the best person to play Cisco. We picked Catherine Janeway because we wanted that type of character. We want you know, we wanted a strong character who happened to be female. Her you know, it wasn't coffee. I yeah. love, but I loved what I loved. One of the things I loved most about Voyager was that they were such a rogue crew. 
Well, they had to be. Right. Because they were out in the middle of nowhere and they had they to They were literally stuck with half a crew and half a crew in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it always surprises me, too, that everyone sort of complaints are like about like and I will agree that the show does have like some inconsistent character tone. But it's also sort of when you have to look at the show, it's like these people are 70,000 light years away from Earth or Federation space uh, more specifically. And when they make a decision that is sort of against Federation policy and people go, ah, you're supposed to do Federation. He's like, yeah, but the out is, Mm -hmm. you know, at times it becomes a very grating out where you go like, come on. But but it's that like, look, you got to do what you have to do to survive. But they did that great episode with uh, Captain Braxton where there were the they were the other ship taken in by the caretaker array. Uh, it's like a small Nova class starship. Yes. Google that. Uh, <laughs> and they're they're also trapped out there. But to survive, they've been marauding and they found like this race of aliens uh, whose bodies emit like a bioelectrical energy. And they've been using that to keep their warp core going to try and make it through. And they encounter each other and they take on the crew as their own through the events of the episode, but sort of things like what could have happened to Voyager. And it's like, yeah, we could have given up everything that makes us human to survive. But then what would be the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a great episode. A uh, year of hell, which has, uh, which has Kurtwood Smith, another Star Trek veteran who, uh, he plays a Krenum captain who operates a Krenum timeship and he wants to get his family back from, I think, uh, I think it's a war that devastated his planet or a virus. I so think he, it was a virus. I think it was virus. And he goes around, like he goes around with his, the future version of what would be pins with uh-huh. strings trying to figure out, okay, well we encountered this race 60 years ago and they got a certain mutation that came from this planet. Okay. What if we wipe out this city on this planet? And then Voyager is trapped in this sector of space that is constantly yeah. shifting uh, militaristic boundaries. Even, even his own people, are very warlike in some of them. And it's a great episode. Like it's a two parter that takes place over the span of a year, literally a year of hell. And that's a great episode of Voyager. I think, uh, what is it? Uh, Anorax, right? Yes. 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 Anorax. Kurtwood Smith. Chris, do you have a favorite Voyager? Did you, I don't really remember much of it. Uh, I I I just wasn't something I got into. Same thing with the enterprise. I mean, enterprise, I watched maybe four or five episodes and it just didn't, to me, hold my interest. I know, you know, not necessarily saying, oh, that show's terrible. It was, I'm not saying that about Voyager either. It was just something that for me, for whatever reasons, I just didn't keep up with it like I did with Next Gen or... I, I think viewers' tastes change too because especially when you look at like all the previous series except for the original, the original series, you know, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Next Gen, they all hit their stride after two seasons. Mm-hmm. But Enterprise did the same thing but the problem was is that uh, people want that instant gratification so by the people had already checked out and moved on to Bones or whatever was running at the same time and had sort of left the series. But for Voyager, what was the name of the episode? Uh, it's a great episode with the Doctor where he uh, is doing medical records and he finds that a surgery was performed on Ensign Kim and then realizes oh. that, they alt- that the crew of Voyager altered his memory because he made... A decision, you know, he's supposed to be impartial because he's a computer program and artificial intelligence, but he chose to save his friend's life and not did the impartial thing to do, which was to essentially 50-50 chance of who to save. And it literally wrecks his character yes. because he was like, why did, that- I ch- why did I choose to save my friend? I should have saved this person, but this person isn't as important as as my friend is to the crew. And it's a it's a 
That was another great thing about it was making a holographic doctor. Yeah, yeah. The, their doctor is killed, and he's literally uh, running. Ricardo. Robert yeah. Ricardo is amazing yeah. as the doctor. Unbelievable. So many good episodes, but that's. And he's in first contact. And he's in first contact, reprising the role of his character. But eventually, the Mark Ones are sent to go. Uh, clean yes. dilithium <laughs> mines and stuff like that's that. That's why when they get or when they get closer to getting back and they can transmit him and he yeah, finds yeah, out. Yeah, and it. he finds out that uh, nobody liked him because the di- the create his creator essentially put himself into the holographic yes. AI and he's a uh, he's an asshole. <laughs> and that's why but his character but in the none future of them, they're still assholes. In the future they're still assholes, but none of them were ever allowed to grow and this one is particularly unique and then he meets the Mark II on the USS Prometheus, uh-huh. was played by Andy Dick. Yes, <laughs> that was Andy great. Dick is a doctor. Yeah, yeah and then uh, was it was it Leighton Image the one? I think it is Leighton Image. It may. It, I think it is. Where Leighton he where Image. he basically like has a psychotic. Break yeah, he has, he has yes. a, he has a, he has a mental breakdown because he chose to save his friend, and then instead of erasing his memory for like the third time, they're just like, let's see what happens if it runs its course. And uh, the, the ending is great because it's got Janeway in the holodeck with him for like. Uh-huh. like 24 hours or something. She's just reading poetry and she's like, I think this one will do you some good while he gets, while she goes to get some rest. And it's like, behold the life I create because it's essentially her fault that he's becoming a person. Yeah. And yeah. Cause they've had to leave him like, on. Yeah. And, and it's that great yeah. realization because, uh, seven of nine has the discussion is like, he's not much more different than I am. I'm riddled with technology. What happens if I do something and you consider it a malfunction, do you just take yeah. me and perform surgery or alterations to me against? Well, that's my why they—that's why no, no, they no, alternate. You're not, not going to ruin that body. But that's why they ultimately not decided gonna. not to reprogram again because yes, of her because her, her, her stance. Like, like he's a member of his crew. You let him grow and do so much, and then and then when he has a problem that you don't want to deal with, you just decide like, well, he whatever. He the justification. He's just a computer program. Right. We can just fix him. Whatever. Who cares? Travis, anything? That, uh, any uh, episodes that are your favorites? Uh, I love Deadlock. Deadlock is really mm-hmm. good. Uh, I loved so the Deadlock thing is where they uh, the crew flies into a nebula and it basically freaks everything out. And there's two Voyagers. Yes. Yes. And they're stuck. And uh, the ba- I forget the bad guys, but basically what ends up happening is they they have to sacrifice one group. Yes, like one, they have to sacrifice one Voyager so that the other may live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else and, is good? And watching the two Janeways like play chess through the whole thing. Yeah, because they're essentially trying, they're essentially trying to kill each other. But didn't they, they yep. left it like you don't know which one was right? Yeah, that that sort of you're the, not quite sure which one comes out the other side. Yeah, they're they're essentially the same. Yeah, in reality, uh, so it's, it's the Clone Saga. It's kind of the Clone yeah. Saga. What's the? There's another great. I mean, I I like the episode. It's an episode that kind of gets a lot of shit from people, but it's the Tuvix episode because it also deals with the the idea about like well, so transporter accident happens and Neelix the. The the happy go lucky enthusiastic uh, yeah uh, essentially the super the chef. nicest he's he's Ned Flanders he, he's Ned Flanders of the ship merges with uh, did they kill his little slave girl after a little while too no not his his uh, girlfriend I know his girlfriend she got pregnant and had to or no she she was going through the worst adult puberty and had yeah to leave. her race of aliens has been kept enslaved so they <laughs> never get old enough to actually get all of their crazy like phoenix from the X-Men-esque psychic powers. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And, uh, but so, 
uh, Tuvok and Neelix merge in a transporter accident, and they become a completely new person. And the entire yeah, episode, it's like Tuvax or something. Yeah, like Tuvax. That. Yeah. And it becomes yeah, yes. And it, and a lot of people sort of give the episode shit, but it's also one where you go like, again, it's that problem of like, so do you risk one person? It's the it's I forget the name of that. It's uh, there's a. There's a there's hey. a logical postulation that deals with, you know, if there's a train and it's heading down a track with a group of people on it, you can switch the tracks and send it to hit just one person. What's the decision you make? And it sort of takes that to the extreme of like, OK, so you can kill one life to save your two friends or do you let the both of them die to tolerate this completely new being who has the memories and experiences of both of them, but isn't the yeah. same person? And while it's shit on a lot by a lot of people, it's a, it's a, it's one of those things where it's a very divisive episode where you're like, no, that's a, an interesting question to, to postulate. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the um, one with with Tor with um ah uh, shit um oh in the, the the World War II episodes of Voyager where the essentially the predators from Predator uh, <laughs> capture the ship. Him down. Yeah, they they capture the ship and then force all of them to live out their life in World War. In one of like one group of the crew is forced uh, through memory alterations to be the the allies in a losing war with the Axis, and some of them are sent to be uh, sent to oh, battle yeah, in yeah, battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bulk of it was like, oh, this is in a version of World War Two where the Axis is winning, and the Axis are essentially the predators. And they're yeah. hunting the crew and then taking them to sick bay. And the doctor has to basically patch them up and then send patch them, them back to go back, to out go to back into World War yep. II again. To what, what's the one with Paris when he's the, the Buck Rogers type? Uh, it's uh, like Captain Cap- Proton. Captain Proton. Uh, I always want to call it Captain fact, Neutron. You know, Captain Pro- the, one of the best comedy episodes is uh, Bride of Chaotica. Where yes. they have to force Captain Janeway to enter the holodeck as this essentially like spider queen character uh-huh. from a 1940s serial to help save the day from essentially the, the Ming, the conqueror for captain proton. I feel like I just have to go back and watch all this. Oh, they were so good. Okay. Uh, so, uh, enterprise enterprise. Well, uh, wait one more. Cause timeless was freaking amazing. Timeless is timeless is really good. Where, uh, uh, Chakotay and Harry go basically ahead, yeah. have to, they, like, basically it's a future episode where they got back home and they're the only ones that survived. Yes. But, but they're like they're the true survivors of Voyager, and they're living a really cushy. Why? Yeah, they have the survivors guild because so the, the the episode plot is basically they figure out like this transwarp technology, and Chicote yeah. and Harry Kim have to help Voyager navigate essentially the wormhole to get back to Earth, and in the right. alternate reality, uh, they send a miscalculation, and Voyager is thrown out of the wormhole and crash lands on this ice planet, and they die. But Chakotay and Harry Kim get back to Earth and live, so they, they wanna, survive. They want to go back and alter history, so they we never go back. Kate. We got to go back and alter history so that they never yeah, save it's a back themselves. Back to the future kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, then then they get that wrong coordinate or the, the calculation again, and they realize it. And yeah, yeah, they realize like oh, but they they may, I, whatever the MacGuffin is is that it like destabilizes. Yeah, the, and throws the them, and they're closer to home, but. Yeah, they they get like maybe like fifty light years closer, yeah. but they're still. They're oh, still they like, jump! Yeah, no, they jump way further ahead. But if they had done the same calculation, they would have just nuked the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah the Timeless is a really good episode. Okay, so what about Enterprise? Enterprise. It's got a lot of really good Enterprise movies. I never watched. Whoa, 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 whoa. Chris, anything? I, like I said, I've watched maybe five episodes. First episode of Enterprise is really good. Yes, Broken it was. Low, where they talk about the Klingons, and you sort of learn their relationships. Uh, there's like a season four episode that sort of deals with uh, the teachings of Surak and how the Vulcans came to logic after a mm-hmm. period of war. Um, let's see. The sequel to Star Trek First Contact is a really, really good episode of Enterprise. So in Star Trek First Contact, if you don't know, if you're not a Trekkie, uh, the Borg go back to uh, 2063 to stop Zephyr and Cochran from creating uh, warp travel for Earth, and they want to conquer it in the past. Of course, the crew of the Enterprise succeeds and destroys the ship, and they go home. But pieces of the Borg sphere floating over Earth in orbit, uh, some of it comes down in Antarctica, and a small crew in an opening that's essentially the thing uncovers yeah. a couple of the Borg uh, bodies frozen in the ice, the Borg wake up and start assimilating people and they go into space. They start assimilating things. So they start building a new ship. But then the end of the episode is essentially they send the Borg, the coordinates to earth. And that is why the Borg right. cube in, uh, the first appearance on next generation is on the path to earth. Yeah, that's right. I dun, 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 so yes, the, the, did we mention blink of an eye for, or for Voyager? We did not No, blink of an eye is also really, really good. That one's really, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a great episode of uh, Enterprise that deals with uh, the Orion Syndicate. Yes, that one I really liked. Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating episode because it's uh, it's the, basically the Enterprise crew, Captain Archer. They bring aboard three Orion slave girls, and they sort of do all the tropes, the, the sexiness right. and all that. But the idea of the episode is, especially since you really only encounter them ever one time, is that is that very much will. Like, okay, who controls the Orion Syndicate? And everyone's like, oh, they, they, do, they do, do slave trades, they do human trafficking, all that. But the idea is, is that because the women of the society, they emit pheromones that make people attracted to them. And the postulation of the entire episode is essentially that they're not really the slaves of the society, but, but probably the rulers of the Orion Syndicate. And what they do is they go out as slaves to other worlds and can influence world leaders and crews of ships to then essentially fall right into the hands Mm -hmm. of the Orion syndicate and be sold into slavery and all those horrible things. Okay. So the JJ Abrams movies, I know Sebastian, you have a strong dislike for them. This is the end of my, this is the end of my, (laughs) was there, but you've seen at least two of them. I've seen two of them. Okay, is there anything of those two that is Star Trek enough for you, no. other than Spock? No, he's none of it. None of, the, the, oh, no, that's not true. The actor who plays Dr. McCoy is Kurt, really, uh, really good. Um, uh, Carl, 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 Carl Urban. Carl Urban yeah. he's, the, he's the only halfway decent thing in those movies. And that's just me, though. I, I know I'm going to be the odd man out. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I've liked all those films. Because you've seen all three. Yeah, I've but, seen all three. Yeah, but I will say this, though. As a, as a distinction... That that I do not deny that they are that they are well constructed action movies, you know that have a science fiction theming to them. But my gripe with them is is as representatives of Star Trek is where mm. I is where I just say nope, I am fine. I don't need to watch these ever again. I've seen them. So these are actually Star Trek. They're Star you. Trek. They're, no, they're these just, are no, Star they're, Trek. They're, they're 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 if you you know took 
Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker <laughs> and like, oh, especially when you look at that first movie, it's like, oh, a farm boy who just wants more to life, uh, you know, meets an old man who convinces him <laughs> to do greater things and he takes yeah, well, him you under might, his wing. You might as well make Star Trek better, so that's what you, that's What about you, Chris? What do you think? No, I've, I've enjoyed all three of them. I think, um... Do they fit for you within the Star Trek universe? I don't care. They're good. That's a distinction that I, I accept from people 100%. And, and I cannot say, as someone who enjoys film, that they are bad movies. Right. I cannot say that. I mean, I, I maybe for Into Darkness as a poorly constructed film, which has just plot holes the size of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Still fun, though. Sure, sure. And, and, but again, like as, as a person who, un, who enjoys film, I cannot say they're bad movies. Uh, Into Darkness lasted they, they, too long they, for they me. They are certainly not bad films at all. They're just... Adventure films, you know. The, yeah, so I like them as take them for what you are. And yeah, that, I enjoy the I enjoy them as I films. Think. I enjoy them as as a Star Trek film because I'm not as connected to the Star Trekness of it. But sure, the sure. recent film in Star Trek Beyond, I think, has a lot of that same heart. Simon Pegg wrote it. There's some great nods to. I, I can't I can't deal with Beastie Boys. Just like it, nah. it, at least in this one, it, it's used as a device that makes sense sure, because sure. it's it's. Um, I'm going to spoil the end of the film. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, don't don't listen cover to your ears. Yeah, don't really? Because I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. Cover, cover so your it, it makes it makes. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it then. Um, it's used in a way that makes sense. Okay. It's basically a device that you know I need some I need this. Kirk needs coal to destroy the Goran, and they find it. You know on the gotcha. thing. he needs to he needs to make the cannon. Yeah. So it's the same thing here. They and need they a, need something in this. The it's not the fact that it's the Beastie Boys. It's just the music does something. Gotcha, um, Travis. What about, ah. Travis, how about you? So no, but, and, 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 but just to finish, Beyond has uh, it, it feels a lot because it, it deals with a lot of the type of issues of Star Trek, and in a weird sort of way, it deals with the issues of uh, when you get towards the end. This idea of like kind of what is the Federation and what were they, and and kind of are they exploration? Are they a, a, a police force? Are they a military force? Are they an exploration force? Are they all of it? And how do they balance it? And what do they do? They're to, not to... because they were completely unprepared for the Dominion War. Right, but I'm saying, in they this, exactly. in, in this way, <laughs> it's, it's just there's something different in, in, and my, in that. And, and my favorite counter to a lot of the themings of those movies, especially because they portray the Federation, specifically Starfleet as a military, they even call it a military protectorate in Star Trek 2009, which made my blood boil. Sitting in the theater, going, it's like, You've never seen an episode of Star Trek in your life or seen Kurtzman. If if what you got from every single episode of Star Trek that you claimed to have watched was that they're a military protectorate. Well, especially in the first, the first, the TOS, because it's so damn boring. I mean, it's just like, hey, let's just sit and talk for a while. Especially and, because for, for how often they encounter races that are just far more powerful than them. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that military protectorate. But I, that's the thing is where my favorite, like in Star Trek Insurrection, where Captain Picard is talking about the Dominion War because horrible shit's going on, and they need to go to this. Uh, they uh, they need to go to the Briar Patch and do this other stuff. They can't participate, but it's that line of <laughs> we're talking about the <laughs> the Dominion War and terrible shit's going, on, and they got to go to the Briar Patch. Thing. It's like, remember when we were explorers? <laughs> because dealing with the Dominion War, that was the first time the Federation actually get ever Brer Fox had, and Brer Bear. had to be a military force. Yeah. Where they actually right. had to start using ground troops, something they hadn't uh-huh. had to do in hundreds of years, not since the Klingon War. You know, and even for that time period, they weren't 
a military, the Earth Romulan War was probably the worst thing that ever happened to them, and the Romulans used remote piloted ships, yeah. which is why there were no reported Romulan casualties or prisoners of war. So it's just little things like that where I go like, again, this is this is this is Star Trek made made by people who love Star Wars, which is nothing absolutely wrong, nothing wrong with that at all. But just going like, oh, Enterprise is the name of the ship. Uh, th- this guy. Uh, These are the uh, names Luke, we have to uh, use. Uh, just scratch off Luke Skywalker and write Captain Kirk. You know, right. instead of uh, instead of Captain Pike. Uh, uh, just uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Thor, Captain Pike. No, uh, no. <laughs> you know, stuff. It's 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 stuff like that. Especially, it's like, where's Robert April? Damn it. And and I mean and and again again problems as a Trekkie, not as a movie in general. Because if I was not a Trekkie, I'd probably enjoy the hell out of that movie. Uh, uh, everyone's favorite joke, where Scotty kills Admiral Archer's beagle by putting him in a transporter and letting it disintegrate, is just one of those moments <laughs> in the movie. And I was like, what's happening? Scotty is just kidnapping people's dogs <laughs> to test a transporter theory as a plot device, and then he's like, oh, that's why I'm on this ice station. I just took a guy's dog, and it's like, I'm gonna prove it to you, you son of a bitch. My transporter that can transport thousands of miles works. Here, give me your dog. And then he sticks it in a transporter, and it's dead. Like, it's like, I don't remember the character of Scotty ever being so drunk. <laughs> You missed the episode last you night. You missed the episode last From, night. He gets completely <laughs> wasted. As to as to take as to 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 settle an argument to kidnap someone's dog and murder it is Tra- is such a bizarre <laughs> is such a bizarre character trait. It's like it's like no, I got perfect aim with this gun. Here, give me your dog. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you how. I'll, I'll show you how good of a shot I am. Coincidentally, he makes some analogy about it's like imagine imagine firing a bullet from another bullet as to how this transporter technology works. <laughs> and I used Captain Archer's dog as my test subject. And it's dead. It's like, it's like what a horrible... And, and, and to have an entire theater of people laughing at this. For as many people go... It's like, oh man, I hate it when animals get hurt in movies, man. So, you know, when the bad guy hurts a dog... I want that guy dead. And then everyone's like, oh, Scotty, you card. You, 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 you're exactly as I remember you from Star Trek, the original series. Oh, no, he's much thinner in the new ones. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. But it's just like, it's like, and everyone's just like, Scottish. is this what we, yeah. is this what we call jokes in, 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 in oh, my God. So, Travis, I'm going to, I'm going to wrangle Sebastian in here. How yeah. about you to feel about, or how do you feel about the JJ verse? <laughs> Well, I so knowing from the beginning that they were completely rebooting it, I went into it thinking this is going to be way different, and, sure. and it was. Oh yeah, it was, so, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the production design of the, you know, which is weird because a lot of people sort of knock the production design. It's like, oh, it looks like an Apple Store. It's like, no, I don't. I actually don't. If we're gonna, <laughs> if we're like gonna, an Apple Store. <laughs> if we're gonna, if we're gonna alter the design of the Enterprise, okay, I understand the very contemporary design. And yeah, you can't, you can't put the original Enterprise on the screen and go, here you go. It's sure. just a bunch of lights and some knobs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna work in two thousand nine. And, and, and they took a lot of design cues from the Enterprise A. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which makes a lot more sense. It's got the the cleaner look to it. Mm-hmm. But they've done also great episodes of uh, Inner Mirror Darkly of Enterprise where you get to see the Mirror Universe version of uh, of Captain Archer and the Mirror Universe crew, and you get to sort of see uh, you get sort of get to see the estab- you, the early days of of uh, the Terran Empire, and it has this the they do a brand new opening for Enterprise where it's literally the Mirror Earth where the Nazis win and all that stuff, and they recreate the ending of Star Trek: First Contact, where 
uh, where in the end of Star Trek First Contact, Ephraim Cochran <laughs> extends the hand to shake hands with the Vulcans. And beautiful moment. Everyone goes, yeah, things happen, we win. And in the mirror universe, he, he, he goes to extend the hand, and as the Vulcan does it, he opens his coat and pulls out a shotgun and blows the Vulcans away. And then the mob of people uh, during First Contact raid the Vulcan ship, and that's how Earth steals its warp drive technology, <laughs> and then goes on a conquest to take over the galaxy. So, Travis, how do you feel about the JJ verse? No, nah, no, nah, I'm going to defer to uh, Sebastian. Oh, okay. Okay. No. So I was I, I was uh, expecting no, to be the, I, the odd I man actually, out on this one, but you know. Whatever. I thought uh, I I'm not a, as diehard a Trekkie as Sebastian, but I am a Trekkie, and I thought the first one was really fun and like a really cool one shot. Like here's what it would be if it was different, and I thought that was really fun to look into that and see what it was like. And I do think Carl Urban just killed his bones, but Into Darkness oh. is not. A Star Trek movie. Uh, then I, I'll ruin your sad moment. Gary Sinise should have been Dr. McCoy in that movie. That's just me. Oh! Gary Sinise looks like DeForest Kelly, and he was my number one pick. But I defer to Carl Urban as being the the actual Trekkie who was in that movie. Yeah, he really did a nice job. Well, yeah, he's, he really well, he, he, he's, he's, a, he's always been an outspoken Star Trek fan, too, and I was always amused with... He nails his voice. So well. Oh, he nails his, his voice. So well. well. I'm always amused by, like, like after... Is that right? Because the, the, the biggest moments are in Star Trek Beyond for him. Okay. I mean, it's just... It's, All right, well, I'm going to wake Ethan simple. up here, man, because I want to ask you what his thoughts of Into Darkness was. Ethan's still here? I don't think Ethan remembers it. Do you, do you remember watching Into Darkness? Because uh, he called movie. it Into the Darkness. <laughs> Um, a movie. <laughs> That's about right. That's a movie. Okay, now that we got our one word from Ethan for the night, um, but here you know I will the, say wait this, uh, the future. I, I will settle on watching Beyond when it goes to Netflix, like the other two movies. I'd be interested to see what you think of it because should we sit down with him and watch it? And no, because I think I think one we'd have to get him here. Um, <laughs> uh, the other two went to Netflix really fast. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, Beyond. I think it's being released for the end of the summer. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's it, already. It, it, yeah, uh, it's on pre-order or whatever. Yeah, yeah but yeah. anyway, um, it didn't make it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if the bias you have against the new universe would overtake. Like, can you look at it through that? And you probably could look at it as a little more impartial and see well, that, that's, if it's Star Trek. Well, that's and that's the thing. Like for the for Into Darkness and two thousand and nine, I. I I am more than willing me culpa on the fact that like, yeah. no they're 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 action adventure movies they're if you're not a Star Trek fan you you obviously had a lot of fun they've made two sequels to it and, and for story wise and construction they're like no they're solid films all around but for me as like as a Star Trek fan it's it's like watching bad clones of your favorite characters right you know it's the it's like it's like uh, if if they were. If they were like, yeah, if JJ Abrams were to do Next Generation, I would feel differently. Yeah, like if, if they did Picard on it, like no, that does, I don't. Have, yeah, I don't Picard have that would have scene. hair. <laughs> yeah. it would be. They'd like, have long hair, uh, a ponytail. You'd have a ponytail. Be, they would cast uh, Zac Efron would play would, Captain they would, Picard. They would, no, they would probably. Okay, cast, stop, stop, stop it, stop it. They would, they would probably cast uh, the actor who plays Thor to be to be Captain Chris Picard. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I can see him just being a super buff <laughs> Captain Picard. Hey, Captain Picard's pretty buff, dude. So, the future of Star oh, Trek. Oh, yeah. When he pulls up, like, one of the weirdest moments watch at the end of First Contact where uh, they release the coolant and he's yeah. he's doing the rope climb. Oh, yeah. It's like, dude, you're working out. Well, remember that, that, that shot they had of, like, all the captains? And, you know, and it's like, 
Kirk is William Shatner's not William Shat- a small and, person, and Kane, uh, and, and you can, Kate Mulgrew's not a small person anymore, and even like Cisco's Picard is just ripped. Like, yeah. dude, uh, Cisco Patrick Stewart and, is ripped. Yeah, uh, Avery Brooks and and uh, Patrick Stewart are the two that aged the best. Yeah, well, Avery Brooks was also. Uh, Avery, what was he, Spencer for Hire or something like that? I think he was. Yeah, he, he was. was. He was. He was. He, oh yeah, he was. He and was he's just. He's a little. He's. He's. Th- he's actually. I think he's thinner now than he was he when he was actually was. filming uh, Deep Space Nine. Probably cause. was. Uh-huh. So the future of Star Trek. How do we feel about it? Uh, Star Trek Discovery is Star Trek pay per view is Star Trek pay per view is I something I hope is good, uh, and God, I, I really hope it's good. I want it. I need like I feel like we. I, I need a yeah. Star Trek. Show I need for real Star Trek time. again. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I need I need exploration and I need moral dilemmas and things that it, solutions it, that can't all be solved by by. By motocross and Beastie Boys music. <laughs> Do you think? Uh, but I will say this. In fact, to to cycle this back to the beginning, I mentioned uh, potential issues with uh, uh, Axanar, uh, where they. So everyone knows that there's a big lawsuit going on, and Paramount played possum, saying that they were going to lose the lawsuit uh, against them, which never happened, and which is interesting because uh, Star Trek: New Voyages and Star Trek Continues have not been hit by lawsuits, and they're still producing right. episodes. Right. Uh, Axanar is the only Star Trek production that has been touched at all by these new guidelines. Everyone else has been like, no, we're not having problems. So rumor has it, because the show, uh, because the new television show only takes place like 10, 20 years before TOS, apparently the rumor has it that it will be dealing with the Earth-Klingon War, which which is the material that... Uh, Axanar is doing for their movie, which is one yep. of those things like, well, that explains why Paramount is not yeah. dropping their lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And that, and, he said. yeah, exactly. Where it's like, it's like, oh no, we're gonna be. It's like, get, like the new villain, like, it's like we're bringing the Klingons back, and we're gonna learn what happened to them and why they're the way they are, and Tio, or not the way they are, but but what the animosity is between the Federation and the Klingons. Like, so Earth Klingon War. Okay, right. we know what this is going to be all about. Now I understand why you're suing uh, Axanar and why you're stealing their ideas for your show. Do you feel yeah. that the being a pay-to-watch show is going to hurt the series? Yes. I, I, would, I, would, I would say yes with a but. If this was... Uh, I would say, I would yes because no, it's with only a but and yes with a maybe. <laughs> I would say yes because it's only on CBS All Access and it's not yep, on television. And nobody wants that. If it was if it was a show that was on Hulu or Amazon or Netflix, or Netflix there would be no issue at all. On, right, I, yep. I, 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 if they were to put themselves on Hulu Weekly, you know, with the paid Hulu subscription, there'd be no issues. But CBS didn't want to be part of the cool kids. And join up and help sponsor Hulu. They wanted their own programming, so that's why they have their own paid service. But and you know, this is something them. that this is something that happens every so often. Where uh, you know, we've seen it with like uh, DC and and some of their choices. Yeah, because they like, do like their Vixen cartoon on CW. Their right, CW but, but but beyond that, Flash like, and Arrow are on mm-hmm. Hulu all the time. Right, but but beyond that, you see certain companies get this mightier than thou like kind of air about them. They're like, no, no, no. Oh, no, I don't no, think no, it's Arch- that. I think it's they they want the money. Why why pay well, the no, middleman? This is what I'm saying. Is like they could have their cake and eat it too if they did like a 
simultaneous release on like a Hulu paid and a CBS paid. Sure. But because Which is what other networks do. Other networks, uh, CW has their own paid subscription service, but all their stuff goes on to the Netflix app. Fox has their is, own paid subscription what, service and it goes on to Hulu as well. Man, Fox has a And this is the point that I'm making here is that like a lot of other CW's companies free, have yeah. done these things. A lot, a lot of these companies have done this kind of situation where they're like, yeah, we can have a proprietary, we make our money through our thing, but CBS cornering themselves into only their own market. You tell me how many people have CBS's premium well, service right now. And only in their own market here in the United States. It's going dual platform everywhere else but the United States. Correct. Netflix Which, will be Netflix will be showing Star Trek uh, will be showing Star Trek Discovery simultaneously with with yeah. C, with the CBS app everywhere but the United States. And you tell me how many consumers in the U.S. who is like cord cutters are expanding by the thousands yeah. like every month. How many people in that new age, newfangled how we're viewing TV? are going to be okay with, oh, wait, I can only watch it on their server. Well, right. the thing is, cord cutters are finding out is that there's too many services out there. Not really. I well, mean, I mean, there's, there's I, enough I, that I know. That there's that there's, there's people that I know as a cord cutter who now, to get everything that they wanted, are back up to an $80 bill because they have Netflix and they have Hulu and they have Amazon. HBO yeah, and Amazon and they have something else. That's what I'm saying, is you have a, a short of – in order for them to get the content that they wanted originally, sure. they have now – they're up to – Ten services that are anywhere between eight and ten dollars a month, they have an yep. eighty dollar bill again, and so that's like, why am I doing this when I could get most of this from, yeah, you know, from DirecTV or, or whatever? Do you think there is enough of a? I know the fan, there's a fan base, but do you think there is enough of that fan base combined with a mainstream audience that will allow CBS to? Make their money back for this? No, because the, production? the fan base is worldwide, and the worldwide audience is going to be watching it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not, because they the don't mainstream to... isn't going to buy CBS for no, it. I, I'm and the people that have CBS, CBS for, it. for it aren't necessarily yeah. there to what you know. I, I, they're I, like, I need more reruns I mean, of NCIS. Just go, just go to Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, the official Star Trek like Facebook page or their website, and it's littered with just like. Why is this on CBS? I have Hulu and Netflix. I don't want a third service because I can watch. And that's the problem. That's where I think they're going to get screwed. Of the four of us here. Well, and that's also the reason Star Star Trek is one of the reasons why they're putting it on their app only is that they can't survive being on their own app. Every other uh, basic station has gone and done. We do everything. We do our older stuff on Netflix and all our current stuff is on Hulu simultaneously right. with our own yeah, or, or our own free service that has yeah. ads that you can't skip. Yeah. C- and, and it still and goes on Hulu because Fox on Hulu, Hulu, you're still getting a cut from the ad revenue. Yeah. And right. And that's the thing is where CBS is like, we want to go out on our, everyone else tried going out on their own and they failed, and failed. Which, which is why they, which is why ABC and Fox and NBC and Warner and Time Warner started Hulu so they could all come together and have all of Make their programming in one place because all of their individual yeah. apps failed. Well, the four of us here that are Star Trek fans, because we already know Ethan's going to buy the service just for the Star yes. Trek because he's going to see We were walking up. Oh, and yeah, I've already, I've already done it. Yeah. So of the four of us here that, that are Star Trek fans, is anyone planning on buying the service? No. For nope. it? Nope. Because, you know, it'll nope. be on, it'll, just like, I mean, Netflix is releasing stuff on DVD. 
Yeah. You know, Daredevil's on DVD, and right. Jessica Jones is coming on DVD. And they've so already said that they would be at some releasing point it's gonna it like be everything DVD. else. I got a feeling you're going to see it next summer on and, CBS anyway. Well, and here's the thing, too. Because you're looking, if you're a network and you're looking for content and it's already done. A summer show. That'd be a yeah, great summer show. And you're just show. sitting there going, well, we can either rerun. You Big know, Bang Theory, a Big Bang times. Theory, four nights a week, or we put this on, or whatever. Trek, we, it's already made. Yeah. But, it's also but now while we're talking about a streaming instead of Star Trek, and I think we missed a very important question, and the important question to me is, who's your favorite character, and who's your favorite captain? If you take oh, all of them. Yeah. This is a good closing question. So I'm going to start with Travis. Favorite character and favorite captain. Or are they, this, are they the same? Ah, uh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Not a character. Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough favorite, one. So favorite captain is Cisco. Uh, Okay. Mm. Um, I love me some Ben Sisko. Benjamin Sisko um, is is a great captain, especially because he's he's the guy who has to make the hard decisions. Yeah, uh, favorite character. I, you know, the one that I always always go back to is Data. I love me Data. Huh. Rich. Uh, favorite captain's Picard. And I guess say Tom Paris. Okay. I like that he was a rogue. He, he, he I said it earlier, my favorite character is Worf, because I've always loved the Klingons. Um, and then my Worf favorite, is amazing. Yeah, my favorite captain is Picard also. Not only because that yeah, was the captain that was mine, but I just that stoic kind of nature that doesn't really waver except when it really has to. And that's what makes those moments like Inner Light, like uh, being tortured by the, the Cardassians, and, of course, the... the Angry speech in the the ready room of the Enterprise in First Contact makes those. But even though so he's very stoic and doesn't change it, he still has a great arc from the beginning. No, I know he does. End. That's what I'm saying. For me, it's, it, I'm one of those people like with Superman. It's like one of the reasons that I like Superman so much when it's done right is because Superman can't make the wrong choice. Right. Picard is, right. is, is one of those people that doesn't allow. You know, he's not sitting there going, "Well, I could." Uh, he just makes a choice. Yeah. It's like I'm. Uh, this is it. Yeah. I got. I got no choice. Why am I not sending? Uh, I'm not sending uh, uh, Doctor Crusher down to the planet because I really like her. Yeah. I can't do that if I'm a captain. So I don't like you anymore, and we're not in a relationship because right. I have to send you where you go, stuff like that. So those are my two, Sebastian. And it's a tough one because uh, it's always for me. It depends on my mood, but it's always a toss up between uh, Cisco and Picard. But I would I would say Picard a little bit more, mostly because I'm sort of of two minds. Like Captain Picard's the guy you'd want to be your mentor. Yeah. And the guy, yeah. you'd, you'd, the guy you'd want to counsel on problems, but Captain Cisco is the person that when something happens, he's the one you want at your back. Right? Oh yeah, he's the one you want at your side. You know, yep. you, you want Captain Picard's the diplomat. But I think in some of it, it's saying Captain Picard your back. Well, no, Cisco it, will. It's it's not even that. Well, Captain, yeah, Captain, Captain Picard, Picard have... but this is the reason I would argue Captain Picard will never get you into that situation. Sure, that's true. Sure. That's true. That, that, that's uh, the he won't let that situation he, yeah, he, get he's to. Your, he's your counsel. He's the one who the he... Dominion War wouldn't have happened, right? But but if something horrible happens, you want the person who's going to going to make the really really hard. He's the guy who's like no, and likes like horrible things are happening. No one else dies today, mm-hmm. and then Captain Cisco shows up and it's like, it, yep, you know, comes with the. Uh, the, the Defiant and just wrecks shit. So who's your favorite house. character? Just clear his house with the Defiant. Yeah, uh, favorite character though, I would I I would say it's probably Garrick, mostly nice. because oh, he he's, he, he's got like that he's he, he's he's the right amount of the Galactus principle. Is that yeah. they never give you enough information about him to make his character boring because he's a character that if you found out what he did, if you found oh out everything God. about his life. He would be. It's Wolverine syndrome. Yeah, he would yeah. be. Com- he would be completely useless. Like, it's like, well, he's not interesting anymore. I know everything about him, but just yeah. because, like, it's like you're not looking for clues anymore. 
Yeah, you know, Actually, yeah, exactly. you, know what, right. you know what Garrick is? I'll give you a Simpsons reference for Garrick. It's when the Yakuza and the Mafia are fighting that outside little guy. his house. Oh, and he goes, you know he's going to do something. It's going to be cool. Guy. He's going to do something. That's Garrick. Garrick's yeah, the little guy. guy like, he's yeah! just I, I'd say my second favorite captain would have to be Janeway, though. Okay. I, Janeway, like again, it's hard to pick because they all have their different. They all, they all, right, exactly. But she's probably, but she's another one that it's like. I mean, she becomes ad, she becomes an admiral in Starfleet. Yes, I'd have does. to say she bosses Captain Picard around. But she's another one who's who's uh, for me like Cisco, where yeah. general counsel, you never know who you're going to get if she's not on her coffee. Then she's you're probably going to get a crazy. <laughs> answer. But I will say this: she's when, kind the, of a- when the horrible stuff goes down, it's like it's like. I, I gotta call Captain Janeway. I got I got nothing else. But here. she's kind of a combination between Picard and she's a little bit because she has her moments of being sort of that matronly figure to characters like the yeah. Doctor and Seven of Nine. Yeah, uh, she has a lot of those maternal instincts. But then at the flick of a switch, can switch those off and is willing to throw you under the bus uh-huh. because it's like you know needs of the many on this situation. You're gone. I'm sorry. I think it's interesting that between the four of us, probably the only four Star Trek fans you could find. That if you asked all four of them who your favorite character was, not a single one of us said Spock. Captain Spock is really good, but you also don't have a lot of time with Captain Spock. I'm just saying it's just it's just something where I think well, if, also you, if you were to grab four other four other uh, Star Trek fans and said who's your favorite character and pulled all four of them, I think one of them would well, say Spock. Well, I just well, find it kind of well, interesting. Well, well, I suppose that would be an expansion of the question because when you say the captains, usually it's the headliner. Well, no, he said no, he's favorite, favorite, favorite character. character and favorite not character as, a, as yeah. a favorite character. It's just a, you have four people together and it's not Spock. That special that we watched, almost everybody's favorite character was either Spock or Picard. Right, and I go, I go yeah. Garrick because Garrick is is yeah. is is no, he's, he's because he's the mo- probably the most interesting character of the entire. Because Spock, you know, has the logic, and there people like him for different reasons because he can do. Well, Data Data's kind and, of that spark, Spock character. Well, but not not really. Data is Data. No, is, Data's kind of like a child learning how it is to be a human being. Right. But also somebody who Spock would who doesn't when a bunch of people th- you know show up on the bridge and they go, "I'm going to kill Captain Picard." Uh, Data just grabs him and throws him across the room really that's quick. That's why I love Data. I mean, that's, that's why that's yeah. why Data is so cool because you're just sitting there going like, "Oh my god!" Uh, the, the, the love of like everybody, and and one of the other things is I love that episode where the uh, come in contact with the Borg and Data kills one, and he spends half the episode in the holodeck trying to figure out what was that thing that made him freak yeah, out. Yeah, he got because yeah. yeah, Lore was was giving him emotions and yeah. I but liked you, also. Yeah, he was a great character. But but it's also when you look at a character like Spock, I understand what people love about classic Spock, not JJ Spock, who uh, you know beats the shit out of people on top of uh, moving uh, for some He's reason. Just not as good. space big rig. You know you. <laughs> well, once just, your planet blows just, up, your emotions just—you can't hide them anymore. No, he he was beating up Captain Kirk before his planet blew up. It's, it's just one no, of those he things. beat him up after. It's just one of those moments where I go like, classic Spock. He. The like classic could... Spock and and, uh, and and Kirk had a fight. Yeah, yeah because but Kirk, that was... that's because Spock was horny. <laughs> yeah, and the only other time they ever got and the only other time they ever got into a fight was a fake fight. Yeah, where Spock had where they where Kirk had to pretend Spock killed him. Otherwise, Spock is a character who just walks up to you, Vulcan neckman. The the the, the new Spock just is just gonna like break necks and you know <laughs> okay. Kick ass! It's like oh, yeah, I'm all. He's like I'm here to take names and kick ass, and I'm all at a final for names? final. Or I'm, I'm here to I'm chew bubble gum. Names, take names, <laughs> and I'm all I'm out out kick names. ass, and I'm all I'm out of all names. Out of names. <laughs> 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 
that is going that is going to become a joke for me from now on. I like I like where that went. I am all here out to of chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. And Please it's the, the versus the classic Spock who can do what normal humanity can't. Humans can't switch off their emotions. They can't switch off their biases. And that's why people love him. It would be a great, if you're in a situation, you could just go, you know what? I I just want to go 100% emotionless here and figure out, like, you know, how can you switch? You can't switch off your biases as a human being, and that's why that character is so appealing, is that he can make decisions human beings can't, because we can't just go, like, you know, we can't make that decision of, like, you know, oh, you got really, really angry one day, and you decided to to drive just that little bit faster in your anger, and you weren't really paying attention. You got a ticket, and it just ruined your day even more. At least nobody here's gotten a ticket. No one at this table has gotten speeding ticket. Speeding I've got a speeding tickets. ticket. Well, I know. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, no, no one got two speeding tickets in less than eighteen months. Right. I've only had. No one else had here one. Yell, drives a big yellow car. Yeah, well, I've only ever. Had no one, one else here chooses ticket. to buy. <laughs> You okay. buy a super expensive big yellow car that so, is absolutely a radar. Final, final words on this. Um, as Final Frontier? Well, as we seem to be a very Star Wars-centric on this show a lot, um, there's always been that, that riff between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. I don't believe it's that. It's BS. I don't know. Fuck that. Hey, because yeah, it, I love it, it, Star it, it, Wars. It, it exists, but Trek. it's stupid. Yeah, yeah it exists because people. It just it's the same thing they're as Marvel the, DC. They're it's, not the same. If you're a fan, and the only person, you're the only a fan person of good who storytelling, will be correct when they tell you Star Trek is better is Neil deGrasse Tyson. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the, he's the only authority on why what Star way, Trek is better. If, if you that take anyone away, should listen if to. you take away the new films, they're completely different. I mean, it's something yeah, not so the same it, at all. It, it's Star Wars is a fantasy. It's fantasy movie. Right. Star Trek is science fiction. Yeah. To me, yeah. Star Wars is is it's a fantasy. It, yeah, it deals it, with the supernatural. It just, it just happens to have aliens and yeah. spaceships, but and it happens to have humans. But none of them are from yeah. Earth. But it, it's it's uh, it's so mysticism. It's that same thing it's, with Marvel. DC. If you know this rift between Marvel and DC and all this other BS, you can like Spider-Man if you enjoy if you Batman. enjoy comics and if you enjoy superhero comics, you're probably going to enjoy a lot of stuff from Marvel and yes. you're going to enjoy a lot of yep. stuff from DC. If you enjoy smart storytelling, if you enjoy Good characters. You if you enjoy like, you action, like, you can like Deadpool and Deathstroke. Yeah. It's okay. Even though Deathstroke, how dare you? I, I assure uh, you, ladies and gentlemen, that you can like both. It it's just fine. when it gets into that thing of like, well, if a star destroyer goes up against the Enterprise, then the Enterprise wins, right? Because lasers can't they penetrate the shields. shields, and I'm just like, what? I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> Because they've got a Death Star, so all the Death Star shows up and blows up Earth. There's no Federation anymore, so suck it, you know, just something like that. Yeah, yeah. but the Death Star doesn't have faster than light travel. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Not in the movies. Not it like, does. I'm yeah. not talking about anything in books and comics. I'm talking about on screen. That's, it does. Oh, it has to on screen. It can't get from Alderaan to Yavin in a, a, an hour and a half. Uh, didn't you watch Force Awakens? They could watch literally a planet explode from hundreds of light years away. Simultaneously, as the event was happening, it's because they were close to it. Uh, it moved. <laughs> yes. So, so the secret planet of rogues, yes, were only maybe one AU's distance yes. from literally space police capital. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, it's okay. just as far as uh, Metropolis and Gotham They're and Batman vs Superman. Another, another, <laughs> another, uh, another like across lo- the space bay. A logical inconsistency, like. Why are they literally across the ocean? It's like, wait, how can you... S- wouldn't that take 
thousands of years for you to watch a planet explode? Oh, no, you're watching it simultaneously Again. somehow. Fantasy. Fantasy. <laughs> and that's why they're not the same. So, Sebastian, final words on Star Trek. It's fun. Watch it. Enjoy. <laughs> Get yourself learned. Uh, take, take names. Take take names. <laughs> kick ass. Take when names. you run out of names. When you're on a bubble game, watch Although, the new you know movies. What? Interestingly enough, thinking about that, if you were here to take names and kick ass and you run out of names, you got to kick ass to get more names. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta I'm, kick. Ah, you gotta kick strangers' asses. Every, everyone, I'm, I'm out of names on this list. And then you, check their pockets for bubblegum. G- give me the next name. <laughs> well, see, the joke is, it's not bubblegum. That's the best part. I I'm need here to take names and kick ass. I need, a, I need another name for my list. Travis, do you have any final thoughts on Star Trek? Like Garrick, he would he would kick ass and take uh, names, and then you know, like Gandalf always said, "May the force be with you." <laughs> my final thoughts are that I just I really want to have another series. I do too. On the on hey, television. Can we, can we uh, tell people to uh, you know help out uh, Michael Dorn with his uh, his One TV day. show? No, because he's going to get sued by Paramount. I would, I, I would I, love I, to I, see you, Captain. You know the worst part is. That just hurts my heart knowing that. Six ways from there Sunday. Is a, there is a pit in my heart knowing that. Just just seeing the hostility from, yeah. from the owners of Star Trek towards people who love Star Trek so Who much. love Star Trek and want to do something nice with it. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's it's, it's kind of funny because it's the flip thing with Lucasfilm where years ago it seemed like Lucasfilm was really a hard ass on anything that yeah. was, and then you know we host our own fan film awards and we have yeah. you know Seth Green started developing a series that was going to take everything funny and we did the Lego which thing. by the way now it's it's slated for and coming out we've this got year. all this yeah. other stuff and, and it was like that flip where I'm Lucasfilm waiting, used to be a little hard Star ass Wars movie. and he became nope it's if Lego do, do what you want well they, like, they do Lego Star Wars all the time no I know but I actually do want a really fun because Lego Batman's coming out and that looks amazing I just want a Lego yeah. Star Wars movie that's completely inconsequential to everything else I just want a watch watch uh, Lego Star Wars Freemakers those that's are really good. good those are really good but yeah just the the hostile just, yeah. it's, it's like, and especially it yeah. comes at a time when when you can do the 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 equivalent look of a show as a bunch of fans getting crowdfunding that you can a yeah. major studio. Yep, and that's the scary part too because uh, Star Trek continues is is the best Star Trek show that isn't really a Star Trek show. Well, it is a Star Trek show because it's called Star Trek, but not an official. It's Star not an official show, show and it's amazing the, the labor of love. They're, they got so good that now you can tour their sets as 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 accurate recreations of the classic Enterprise sets. They do so much work. Unreal. And, and you can watch their stuff on YouTube. It's absolutely amazing. And when you look, I mean, uh, uh, Axanar did that amazing prelude, which is like a 30-minute documentary style of the Earth Klingon yeah, war. Yeah, all the actors, yeah. And so many amazing actors... And the, the 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 CG is just so crisp and clean. And then to, oh, they really did a nice to job. come to that point where it's like, this looks better than what we can do. Stop it now. And that's just like, oh, man, you're really harshing my mellow. That's when you really should just, you know, invite them to be part of canon. Well, and, the thing that sure. really upsets me is like... Or, they, or they make some money. Just, again, just like, like be Lucas the distributor film. for it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just put up some commercials on it. You know, do it like, hey, watch Star Trek fan fiction. It's not in continuity. Whatever. And it's on the, like, Star Trek fan fiction on the CBS app. You know, whatever. And have fun with it. But well, no. Then no one's going to see yeah. it. <laughs> no, no, they have to take themselves too seriously. So, Ethan, you want to see more Star Trek now? 
Nathan's bored out of his skull. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really just let's, let's, what let's, if we're, the, at, we're at like two hours. Just give the end and let's go. I gotta go home. <laughs> I gotta pee. Too. Okay, so we're gonna wrap things up. So if you I have don't any think thoughts, wants to hear me urinate or want, here, so. or want to tell us your favorite Star Trek episode, or if you want to give Sebastian some names, or give Sebastian give me some, some names, so start kicking ass. Sebastian give me some names. If he doesn't, if he runs out of names, he's gonna start kicking ass, ass for more names. Ass. So you better keep that list full, yeah. or I'm going to kick ass. So please prevent me from ass kicking. So if you want to, we can do a movie names. called Sebastian's List. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh. I want this movie I want now. this movie, too. The list is real, and it's Sebastian <laughs> with this long list of names that, for no reason. Is that, is that a bizarre, like, 100 Bullets parody? And he walks up to every door, <laughs> knocks on the door, and just kicks somebody in the butt and walks away. <laughs> I crossed off the last name on the list. Crossing off give me a name. List. Everyone's hey. just trying to give him names. The list, it is real. I need more names. Steve. Bob. No, no, no. Jim. Full names. Jim. I got to find Jim. these people. <laughs> Richard. Like, kick bottom. everybody named Steve. He's going to kick their... Actually, I kind of wish that's what uh, Roddy Ryder Piper said in, uh, in, <laughs> in They Live Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, if you want to leave us what you think are the best Star Trek characters or uh, episodes, go to facebook.com slash nerdables. We're also on Twitter, at nerdableshow, and we are on Instagram as nerdables. So, for Chris, Sebastian, Ethan, Travis, and Mikey, who's still stuck around, live long and prosper.